Well, hello. That's my impersonation of Corey, by the way. Is that good? <laughs> do I do that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, well, hello I'm gonna, and welcome to the. What? I think every podcast needs a good yeah. well hello. <laughs> so I'm honored if that's well. Here's mine. Well, here's mine. Well, hello and welcome to an episode that is is near and dear to my heart because it's physically near and dear to my heart because it's about me. And I think we're all very, very excited. Um, I think everyone, I, I was reading through all the comments of our Ravenous fans, and last episode they went, Corey's fine, but let's start talking about Sam. And Oh man, I mean, you really set I, yourself up we, for a good episode tonight. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, frankly, I think we, we have to give the people what they want. So, so in staying with our Secret Santa um series our secret santa extravaganza bonanza as they call it we will be talking about the three movies i recommended to the film bros that they watch and we will be deciding which of the three were picked for each individual film bro because i think if there's one thing that you guys uh can't contest about me it's that i have a deep love of the homies and i truly understand what you guys want uh, and tonight's episode will be a further testament of that dynamic. But before we get into me, unfortunately, we have to talk about other things that are not related to me. So Dane will be running through uh, the big the big news that just came out this today that is not related to Playboy Cardi's new album, which will be <laughs> life-changing. But it is all the news that Disney just came out with in tweet form i guess press releases are dead well That's no they, the they had an actual event, about 2020 right? there was an actual they, event they, 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 I just, they uh, had it they had it i don't know if they streamed it um i got all mine off a website but tonight's also the, the uh all of mine off a t- tonight's also the gaming awards which is a, there should be some yeah, big was, video oh, game announcements coming out in the next couple hours i would imagine yeah among us just one best multiplayer game so <laughs> For all us Among Us fans out there, it's a. I, does anyone actually benefit from winning a gaming award? That seems of all I the awards. I think just the game of the year. It's more about announcements. The game of the year gets to oh, yeah, re-release a new edition and call itself Game of the Year edition. So it's just an excuse to make yeah. some more money. But I agree, it's, it doesn't carry the clout it does in other industries. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no Oscars. We've all been right. Oh yeah. Saying that for years is that that is really the pinnacle of excellence. Um, but Dane, let's let's bring it over to you and and listen to what has happened uh, and hear that Tim Allen has died. Is that true, Dane? Uh, I, I guess so. Like uh, his Damn. his run of Last Man Standing and Home Improvement was, you know, or whatever his <laughs> sounding mix. <laughs> that was terrible. Well, no. So Chris Evans, our listeners Chris are Evans awake now. Will be, yeah, right. I didn't even get the reference, and I thought it was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's from Home Improvement. Um, Okay. (laughs) uh, Chris Evans will be replacing Tim Allen in a standalone film called... Is it just called Lightyear? Yeah. Yeah, it's just called Lightyear. Yeah, which is... I I thought after 4, we were all done with the, the Toy Story saga. I love the series. I certainly don't think I'll benefit from seeing any more Toy Story, but... That's that's some news. So along with other that's news what, from the Disney 2020 Investor Day, I got a, wait real quick, real quick. 
Why would Pixar ever want to focus on the worst character from Toy Story? I will, Here's, like, does anyone? Well, so, well, yeah, so yeah, yeah, you, guys, you guys heard the whole details. It's based on the human, or it's based on, I think, I don't know if it's the human necessarily, but it is based on the character that inspired the toy. So it won't be following the toy itself so much as it'll take place within the Buzz Lightyear universe. Like, you know how we've seen glimpses of the Buzz Lightyear show before? Mm-hmm. And I think there's been little short okay. films released. So then now it's a it's a feature length film that'll be set in the Buzz Lightyear show universe with um what's his arch nemesis like Zorg or something like that. Oh that, Zorg and, that, the, and those aliens. Zorg. Yeah. So yeah. Actually, I think there has that universe has been sort of teased before through Toy Story. So I could see potential for it, but I agree. I'm not yep. sure that we needed to revisit it at all. Yeah. Um. So I'm a huge Marvel fan, superhero extravaganza and i know sam's gonna spite me but that's the majority of my little updates today will be about the marvel news but um two things that i found very interesting there were there was a lot of star wars announcements um obi-wan kenobi his series was confirmed today hayden christensen christensen will be returning to play uh anakin skywalker which is pretty cool i guess darth vader in this uh Along with that, Kathleen Kennedy will be directing Rogue Squadron. And not Star Wars news, but James Mangold will be directing Indiana Jones 5, which I think is a pretty interesting choice for director. Um, he's got a track record, so makes a sequel it's, pretty hopeful. So for for the fifth, they go way more into depth about refrigerators, right? That's what <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's whole, actually, the whole fifth The entire film is. takes place at a nuclear test site. So is this oh, still yeah, is this still gonna be Harrison Ford? Cause that is that dude like really old now? Like how old is I'm he? Pre- I'm pretty sure it's still Harrison Ford. It yeah. is, but I believe there's a like, doesn't Chris Pratt play like a younger generation or something? Yeah, yeah. Like the storyline is Indy is now like a senior citizen and he has to find the gold in like a senior citizen's home. The... <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever happened to Shia well, LaBeouf? Mr. Jones. Why didn't Shia LaBeouf yeah. stay involved with with these? I don't, he got Harry. he made a, <laughs> yeah. a he scene went off with the, the monkeys. End. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't know, I, uh, I think I think yeah. Shia could could do a, a good next gen indie still. It's not it's yeah. not too late. For I him. I think so. I think he is a really good actor despite his uh corniness at times. Did you see that he made a movie this year called The Tax Collector and he got a huge tattoo of it? Did you guys see that on Twitter? Oh no! So like every every movie Shia LaBeouf does, he gets a tattoo on his chest of, and he got his late his like latest movie was called The Tax Collector. And he got the biggest tattoo across like his entire chest, and it was like an utter failure. Like nine percent <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, like one point three IMDb, like universally hated. Um, but the tattoo is still on his chest and probably will be very painful to remove. But um, I think you know he's good for him. Good for him. Good like for him. I, I still think you know that he's he was really great in uh, Honey Boy. If so, that's the one movie of his that I will constantly like. Even though I didn't like the movie itself that much, I think. Yeah, I was gonna say, was really I, I thought we talked about how we weren't huge fans yeah, of that yeah. one. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm not, but you can still agree that he was really good in it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was good in it. But you like, guys also really liked Peanut Butter Falcon, and I wasn't a, a huge fan of that one either. So I'm just, I, I, would. I'm, I'm an I asshole. Say, I, I thought it was like, a sweet movie. Yeah, I thought it was a sweet movie. I, I wouldn't say like you know I really like it or anything. Yeah. 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 Um. So more news then. Yeah, bouncing off the big HBO Max news, uh. 
Marvel, Disney made it very apparent that Black Widow will premiere in theaters. And they also alluded to the fact that it will only have a theater release, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. So props to Disney. That's pretty cool. Um, now, yeah, I'm just going to quickly down. roll down all the, the bigger. Wait, can, I, can I ask you guys a quick question about that, though? Oh, yeah. I've I, um, I been thinking about this and like we sort of alluded this to last week's episode, but um, I, I think it's safe to say that's the right decision by Disney. And I think we all sort of saw this coming, but do you think it's like almost unfair that Disney gets to sort of position themselves as like the heroes in this scenario, considering if there is somewhat of a difference because I mean, the truth is that they have all these shows that you're probably about to go into to sort of support their streaming service where they don't even, they don't really feel the need to support it through a Black Widow or any of these big mm -hmm. films. Whereas HBO Max, you know, we, we could, we could debate all night long and I think there's reason to, to be, skeptical of the fact that these these movies they're bringing to their streaming service can save it but they might need that sort of support more than disney plus does does that make sense yeah i think the yeah. bottom line here is that disney was just smarter from the jump like hbo yeah. max well they, has, they also just they fumbling you know like yeah they, it's they all about the marketing like, really yeah it's all about the yeah marketing, well I think, I think you know with disney releasing a streaming service so early on they are now at the advantage that they can position so, themselves as the heroes. So, like, obviously, like, you know, despite all of the politics going on with Disney and them being, like, this conglomerate, I just think that, like, they were just smarter about it. Like, if HBO yeah. was in the same position, you know, they would have done the same thing. They were just not as smart as Disney to do it yeah. earlier and see it, like, and see the game four moves ahead. I think that's what Disney did, so. Yeah, well, I think with Disney, too... Uh, Queen's Gambit, right? That's what you're referring <laughs> yeah. to? Sorry. I was it was the Sicilian that. Open, Disney. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, good chess reference, Corey. I try, I try. My girlfriend, real quick about Queen's Gambit, my girlfriend thought the Queen's Gambit was what is referred to as the knight piece on a chessboard. <laughs> she went, wait, the Queen's Gambit isn't a piece? And I was like, no, it's it's an it's opener. opener. She was like, what's an opener? And then, uh, yeah. Con <laughs> all right well I, I was just gonna say too with like disney they have the star wars universe marvel universe uh plus pixar and all of their other animated movies so they have like endless material to make tv shows off of um hbo has that i i think with uh, a lot of warner brothers properties warner brother properties but i has just really failed to to do anything and in, in in really making you want to come to that to see certain properties i guess um so yeah uh next wandavision trailer came out looks super weird very excited for it super sitcom -y look um they said that this will tie directly into doctor strange in the multiverse of madness as well as spider-man 3 uh doctor strange in the multiverse of madness adds uh Zochiel gomez as american chavez lending further into uh the multiverse idea falcon and the winter soldier got a new trailer and it really looks epic the tone is very similar to winter soldier and it has the action that you would expect from a full budget marvel movie they showed a trailer for loki which looks equally as, as insane as wandavision owen wilson is in that and his little <laughs> really? scene in the in the trailer is pretty hysterical actually um Miss Marvel is being played by Amon Villani. Captain Marvel 2, officially confirmed. Uh, Nia DaCosta is directing that. 
over this weekend. A lot of stuff came out about Haley Steinfeld playing uh, Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series. And you got to see her costume, and she was confirmed today uh, to be playing the character Christian Bale, which is super surprising. Never thought really? he would ever do a superhero movie. Will play <laughs> Thor, the villain in Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, which that's the first time he's done a superhero movie, right? Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah, well, I should say returning to a superhero movie. Cuz he said he would never <laughs> This is shot. He said he would ne- yeah, he- I've never seen him in this role shut, before. Shut up. Well, he he said he would never do a superhero movie again. But I mean, here we are, especially with Marvel. Um Martin Scorsese punching the air somewhere. Yeah. He said he'd never uh, do a DC Guardians movie again. Yeah, but again, I think I think this does kind of. I mentioned this um, before we hopped on, but I think it says something about Taika Waititi and maybe even this character specifically uh, that Christian Bale would want to get involved, uh, having yeah. only ever worked with obviously a big auteur in Nolan and on the the Dark Knight films. Yeah. Uh, so going along with more Marvel news, Guardians: of The Galaxy is getting a holiday special written and directed by James Gunn. And he also announced that Volume 3 will be coming out in 2023. Black Panther 2 has already been confirmed, but they made it official tonight that they will not be recasting Chadwick Boseman, which leads a lot of people to think that um, uh, sorry, will become the new Black Panther. Uh, a few other little ones. War Machine is getting a TV show called Armor Wars. Ironheart, which is Iron Man's successor, will be played by Dominique Thorne, and she will be getting her own series. And finally, which something has been built up in the movies like Captain Marvel and Spider-Man in the post credit scene, Secret Invasion is getting its own TV show with Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn reprising their roles. I wanted to ask you about that one too, Dane, because that kind of surprised me, that announcement, because I sort of viewed Secret Invasion as what would probably be the next sort of infinity stone saga uh you know i thought that was going to be the overarching story that would be the sort of through line between all of the next uh, through the phase four Mm -hmm. films but do you think they're now sort of trying to just isolate it into one tv show and not really bring back the the kree scroll war or any of the secret invasion stuff uh on the big screen so that's kind of where i'm curious too because in a lot of these shows they definitely have the stepping stones to lead into their next big bad Secret Invasion, obviously a huge comic book arc, and I think it would make for an amazing movie, especially when you get into like the paranoia of what Avenger could be a scroll, I think is a really cool concept. I agree. I already and thought I, it was done well in, in yeah. a small sample size in Captain Marvel. Yeah, and obviously they're leading towards that just being a, a bigger plot line. Now, maybe it could expand into the overarching theme of the next few movies, but then it also is weird because if you look at something like Loki, Loki's series as shown in the trailer, he essentially, after escaping into a different universe or timeline in Endgame, he seems to go on this journey where he is essentially arrested by time cops and uh, goes on this big exploration throughout time and trying to fix timelines and stuff like that. So that also makes a lot of people think that maybe king the conqueror sam's over here smiling because i'm all in on this conversation right now i'm loving this that king the conqueror could be the next big bad too i mean that and again that ties in with the multiverse stuff so there's there's a lot of possibility here and i think that 
our first introduction to the new arc will be through a TV show. What I do think is important, though, is they set up Secret Invasion in Spider-Man Far From Home and Captain Marvel. So because it already has that film introduction, that's kind of making me think that that might be where they're going with it. But not entirely sure. Um, it's interesting. I had one... Yeah. The, the last thing I... I had, is, I had one other little... Oh, the sorry, last thought... I, no, I just want to say real quick. The last thought I had on these shows, too... Because I, I yeah, and I know Sam's giving me another look here, but I am curious to see just sort of the, the um, the, what the culture will be around watching or not watching all these shows. You know, when when the MCU existed as all movies, it felt very manageable. I think it was easy to yeah. keep up and you just go see a two-hour movie once it came out and feel like you were a part of this whole thing. But now that it's expanding so heavily into TV. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much they sort of expect the viewer to have seen everything to follow yep, the yep. the whole tapestry of what's going on, because it'll, that's a lot to expect of viewers. Um, or if and if that is the case, that like you know, will that be too over, too much for viewers? Will it be overwhelming? Yep, yep. Just just in oh, terms of sheer amount of time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, well, I know the biggest Marvel fanboys can handle it, but yeah. like I speak for myself, <laughs> well, where I love keeping up with the MCU. But I'm not sure if I'll be able to keep up with twelve that. shows in order yeah. to also keep up with the MCU. That. That's something that has me a little bit nervous because I do think it is a lot to ask from your average moviegoer or Marvel watcher. Uh, they in my the way I'm kind of thinking of it right now is they are very much setting it up to be like a comic book universe where maybe there are some things going on in some places that don't necessarily tie into a movie, but they go across shows. So that's a good know, comparison. I, I I am excited to see because they are using the multiverse and I think they're really going to expand what is possible in terms of storytelling with the characters. Um, so yeah. And last piece of news, this is movie news. Sam, I will put <laughs> you out of your misery after this. Um, but Please do. perhaps the biggest news for me anyway, is that John Watts, who directed far from home and homecoming, the Spider-Man movies will be directing Marvel's original superhero family, the fantastic four. So hopefully Marvel, I mean, Kevin Feige, it's his favorite uh, Mar- group of Marvel characters I have full faith in him and I have full faith in John Watts that they will actually finally make a Fantastic Four movie worth watching, worth caring but, about um, But do you yeah. have full faith in Jessica Alba returning? <laughs> <laughs> do we have- that was really if only the listeners can see Samir's face right now <laughs> We said that Samir had like some horniness going on before this episode, and he is really bringing it out yeah. quickly. Yeah, I know yeah. he was... But I mean, if there I mean, if there's anything to bring out the horniness, it is if, Jessica Alba. Once, in, in I mean, original, ha- Harrison uh, Ford is so old and he's returning. Versions. I bet Jessica Alba is going to be returning as what? What was the name of her character? What was the, the name Invisible of her Woman? Ca- the Invisible Woman. In- yeah. The Invisible Woman. Yeah. yeah. Who who are, who are the other stars in that original? I'm forgetting. Well, oh, Chris remember. Evans Chris, can't return. Chris, Chris Evans, Evans was a Human Torch, but that hey, he, uh, oh, that that's would be true. weird if yeah. they brought him in multiple. That'd be fascinating. Guys. Who knows though? But yeah, yeah. isn't it funny so that the that other Human Torch, Michael B. Jordan, is also in the MCU now in a different role? Yeah, as Creed, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's the hero that he plays. Yeah, Creed. Oh, yeah. and I, we're all super, wait, we're all superheroes wait, in this day and age. I, I, I have, I can't put Sam out of this misery because. There was oh, one big don't. piece of news that came out recently that Just now. it is most, well, definitely 
Spider-Man 3 is going to be an Into the Spider-Verse type movie with Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Kirsten Dunst, and Alfred Molina, who played Doc Ock, returning. Supposedly, they've already secretly cast Miles Morales. J. Jonah Jameson is in it. It's going to be... Jamie Foxx is going to be in it. It's going to be a whole thing. Uh, I'm super excited to see what they do with that movie because you you kind of ask yourself like, are you gonna have? How do you do another big uh, event level movie like Endgame and going across studio and doing something like that with the Spider Man universe? I think is pretty cool too. Okay, Dave. <laughs> yeah, so that's gonna be the end of this segment. We are not talking about anything else related to anything that dane just talked about because this is my episode sam is that the host sam is that one kid right we are he's like it's I, my I can't birthday go over my party. little piece of movie news it's oh yeah Corey's no got no no we can do you we can we can do your we can do your news because that doesn't involve superheroes <laughs> but um, i'll find a way no dane kidding. you can sit this one out uh, yeah, no I'll... Corey, you won't no I, I i did think this was worth bringing up yeah. after our discussion on last episode um well, first, actually, I, I should. We are recording this on the first night of Hanukkah, so I want to wish a happy Hanukkah mm. to all our Jewish listeners out there. I don't know. I don't know if like maybe maybe Caleb tunes in or something. So it, Isaac Isaac listens. Yeah, Isaac has texted me about it. So there's at least yeah. at least one, maybe two Jews uh, that we can count on out there. So happy Hanukkah to, to all those celebrating. Uh, but happy Hanukkah, Corey. But I, I did want to get oh, yeah, into uh, some some comments that came in the past week. We talked obviously last week about the. The insane announcement from Warner Brothers that HBO Max will be receiving all 17 of its 2021 films upon release. Um, and unsurprisingly, directors had some things to say. Uh, one of the people that everyone was waiting to hear what he had to say was obviously Christopher Nolan, who a lot of people have actually blamed, uh, at least in part, for this decision, You know, saying that him sort of pushing Tenet into theaters in 2020 is part of what inspired Warner Brothers to make this move. He came out and put Warner Brothers on blast. He said that, um, I think the phrasing was, directors, a lot of the filmmakers went to sleep thinking they were working for the greatest production company in the world uh, and woke up finding found out that they work for the worst streaming service, which I thought was, um, if nothing else, just a pretty, like, damn. Pretty, if pretty only clever he could comment. write acidic dialogue like that in his movie. <laughs> 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 that was good, Samir. That, that was, yeah. that was, that was that good. Was good one. Um, <laughs> it wasn't horny. Good job. It wasn't horny at all. Wow. Yeah, like very non-horny. Swear, so you've grown up a lot just even in this. Even episode. the past I, I ten minutes. So. Yeah, I've shown growth. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, that, that I thought that was huge from from Christopher Nolan. He went on to talk about how um, it demonstrates that the company is a complete dysfunction. How they think that they're you know responding favorably to their shareholders on Wall Street, and even that's not the case. He doesn't think there's any silver lining that will come out of this. Uh, but Arguably, an even more important director to speak out came just today in Denis Villeneuve, who is obviously directing Dune, arguably the biggest release on uh, next year's slate of films. Uh, I say he's more important because he is a director of actually one of these 17 films that's affected. And he wrote an op-ed for Variety where he kind of just spoke about how awful of a decision this is, and he ended it by calling upon AT&T, who owns Warner Brothers now. That's the other thing that gets lost in a lot of this is that Warner Brothers is now part of one of the biggest, you know, telecom conglomerates in the entire country because of that big merger that happened. Uh, was that earlier this year? Or was that I don't even uh, that might have been last. That, that was last. Might have been last year. This last year. Time. Yeah, but I, I just want to read the two sentences from it that come towards the end. Uh, he says, "I call on AT and T to act swiftly with the same responsibility, respect, and regard to protect this vital cultural medium," referring to 
the movie theaters. Economic impact to stakeholders is only one aspect of corporate social responsibility, uh, and finding ways to enhance culture is another. So I just thought that is, he's really kind of summed up the core of this argument there uh, and was worth sort of bringing up here. Uh, and I guess my question, if I have one, is you guys think this matters? Do you think there's any momentum that directors like Villanueva can start to build to push Warner Brothers to reconsider this decision? I think it's interesting. Look, if, whenever it comes down to doing press for Dune, I think it'll be very interesting to uh, hear what he has to say during press. Uh, I think it, it could come down to him essentially promoting seeing the movie in theaters over the streaming service. Um, and also, like, with Christopher Nolan and all the other big directors, too, I think it will more so come down to them, as you see. Like, they're the ones being impacted uh, very much by this decision. I'll be ver very interested to see, as this continues, when press starts with these movies, how they address viewing the movie, uh, especially for something like Dune. There's like... Yeah, which he said is very much for the theaters. You know, this movie is was made exactly. with, yeah. with the movie theater very much in mind. Sorry, go ahead. There's like... I was just going to say, like, there's like very few directors who even have final cut privilege so like that just goes to show that like you know like these directors these auteurs many of them they don't even get the final say on like what their end product is going to be i think denny villanueva is one of those directors with final cut privilege um not entirely sure on that but just a point i wanted to make was that like like i, I guess to your question saying that like well can directors start a movement um and can they actually garner and galvanize people enough to actually create like a strong resistance against um, Warner Brothers being able to do whatever the fuck they want, essentially. And I think that like, I would want to hope so is my answer, but I just, at this point in time, I just don't know if I see it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's an important first step. I like, there was always going to be blowback to this decision, um, but it really, comes down to like i said in the last episode like if consumers can rally around movie theaters and if the general industry calls out it's not like while streaming is the most important thing right now in movies if they if there is a big enough blowback this can certainly either halt the decision make sure only i i imagine dune they're looking at dune now to not be released on hbo max if they have enough pushback and especially if they if the narrative is these Warner Brothers or AT&T conglomerates are cash grabs, they're, you know, they're bad for consumers. I think consumers will start to see that they're getting fucked over at this point. Um, but time will only tell if that is legitimate enough blowback to affect anything of, of value. Yeah, I, I think, too, the decision to flat out just say every movie 2021 will... Will will co-release in theaters and on streaming is was very ballsy because you have a movie like Dune that you, that is supposed to be viewed in theaters and it's just like well why'd you have to do all of them why the Dune doesn't come out until like what next summer I think I think it's like we yeah, have time October for a maybe yeah exactly it's just like yeah why make that decision so early. And the news, like, with regards to how we talked about how it seemed preemptive for the vaccine, uh, there was a lot of data that came out today about the vaccine and when the eventual rollout will be. 
and it's looking more and more like a return to quote-unquote normalcy as in herd immunity is reached will happen around mid to late summer so obviously for these newer march and april and may releases it does make sense for them to yeah. go straight to streaming because it looks like we're not going to get to that herd immunity by then but by all means all of the data is pointing towards movie theaters stuff like that opening up again in full capacity by late summer right. so right and then and even if, those early dudes come yeah uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that means that even those early films no, 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 go ahead. potentially had the opportunity to get delayed later in the 2021, like we've seen throughout 2020. It's That's one of the things I think is um, even more insane about this decision from Warner Brothers is that they essentially what they did was they locked each of these filmmakers into these slots by saying that this is the date we had you coming out in theaters, and now it's going to be the date you're coming out in theaters plus HBO Max. Now there is no opportunity for something that maybe was coming out in the first quarter of 2021 to say, oh, well, for if I have an opportunity to be in theaters later in 2021, maybe we can find a new release window. You know, the studio is no longer going to work with you to do that because they've decided uh, what your fate should be. And I, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a shame because any of these directors, whether it's Dune or whether it's, uh, you know, a, a, maybe a Clint Eastwood movie that's not as, you know, like intuitively designed for the, the big screen, uh, still, Grand Torino three. <laughs> uh, I, it's it's called Cry Macho. I don't know much about it, but uh, you know that they're all enhanced by the theater experience. And that's another thing that I really liked about what uh, Villanueva had to say was he got at something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is that this is more than just being like this movie looks better on the screen or or this experience. This movie is just better when it's experienced in the big in the big screen. He views movie theaters, and I agree with him, as quite literally one of the final few places in our society where you can gather communally like there are very few places yeah. in american society that allow for collective gathering that's just that's such a rarity when you think about it and movie theaters are one of the where one of the rare places excuse me that you could do that and if we lose that i mean that's that has much broader implications than just like oh no i don't get to go to the movie theater that has some serious implications as far as like the connections that bind our society not to be dramatic mm. but i really think that <laughs> That, those that, yeah, those are some serious one, implications. On my episode, I expect you guys to be dramatic. Mm. I'll see see it as a sign of. Well, I'm bringing it. Sam's rules. Yeah. I saw some of the reviews we were liking on Letterboxd last night, and I'm a little upset about how you went to look at our like. Oh wow! I Damn. yeah, it's like when you're you have that. It's like when you have that crush and you like go through their likes. <laughs> oh, I'm so bummed because <laughs> I, I had a. I had and a then, take that I was really excited then, to reveal tonight, but I'm guessing you already have a, an inkling of what it's going to be. A, I have a general idea, Corey. Uh. <laughs> I, it's like, you guys can't get anything by me, because you know I was going to cry instantly if you blindsided <laughs> me about anything. So, so I'll still find a make you cry tonight. It, it was probably better that you found out how you did, Sam, <laughs> just for your emotional well-being. <laughs> but I, I think... Been, I, I, I went... Contrary to contrary to popular belief, I for one am very excited for tonight's episode and exploring Sam's psyche and uh, a complete. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be a genuine challenge, a test for me at least, to not um, use everything in my power to actively bully Sam. I think it's still gonna happen during the episode, but um, it's so ingrained in your tell. being. You know, it's hard. Yeah, to, it's so ingrained. Old habits die it's hard. Like a, 
it's like a biological reaction. Like I have to do it. So, and Sam is already setting himself up perfectly for endless bullying right now. So we'll see. Well, he, he, he picked three interesting films. That's, that's what I can say for sure. Very different. Movie. I think very so different. Let's, let's start. Yeah, which one we start? So let's with? start with. Yeah. So let's start with the overall thing, which the elephant in the room, which is I changed the third movie three he times. He did. Okay. We do need <laughs> to talk about so, that. I'm we glad. So you, I was going to so bring if, it up if you so, weren't. So. <laughs> so let me. I, I will. So if you listen to the last episode, Samir, let me continue. <laughs> if you listen to if you listen to the last episode, it, at the end it says follow along and watch Brazil. Perfect Blue and Columbus. We are not going to talk about Columbus because if you guys had watched that, you would have been like Sam. You are the biggest hypocrite ever. This stands for every movie you dislike, and they would be right. I had watched half of Columbus <laughs> while we were talking about it. I was really excited for us to talk about Perfect Blue in Brazil, but I needed a third movie, and it's fucking impossible to find a third movie that none of you guys have seen. So I picked this. And yeah, Columbus is like, you know how we talked about how um, Call Me By Your Name is beautiful on the outside and very vapid on the inside? I mean, Columbus might be the worst offender. It was so gorgeous, but it was such a boring and like dull story. I just didn't, didn't enjoy it at all. So then we picked Leaving Las Vegas, which is the 1994 Nicolas Cage uh, movie, which is, it's very good. Um, but I don't have like a very deep emotional connection to that movie at all. It's a movie I watched in high school that I thought was good. It's probably Nicolas Cage's best performance that I've ever seen him in. I think you guys would like it, but I mean, Corey and I will probably talk about this forever, but Corey and I hung out in person on Sunday and we watched The Sound of Metal and we'll get into it, but that was, you know... I think both Corey and I have that as our best movie of 2020. Uh, I certainly do. Um, and so, yeah, roast away, boys. Roast me for changing the movie three times like a fraud. Well, no, all you I want to say... together, dude. I just want to say <laughs> that in an episode that uh, is ostensibly about Sam, uh, Sam just couldn't resist. He wanted to make it about me, obviously, because his third <laughs> film, his third film was just a movie that uh, he he fell in love with upon my recommendation. We sat down and I said, "Hey, we should watch Sound of Metal. I, I heard this is a great new movie on Amazon Prime. We should check it out." And lo and behold, we both loved it. So, Sam's movie, Sam's quote unquote <sighs> secret Santa gift to you two. It's to one of you two. It's not, obviously not to me. Is really a kind of a, a regift. He's regifting uh, a Sound of Metal from me. So I just want to make that very clear that no matter how much we think Sound of Metal reveals about Sam tonight. This is this is all about Corey right here. <laughs> <God> damn it! <laughs> wow! Well, well, well. Completely stole your spotlight, man. Damn. All right, that that's all I'll say. The, the rest <laughs> of the night can be about be about you, Sam. Thanks, Corey. Thank you for those kind words. <laughs> but they did they did hang out together, so it's all good. Yeah, they, they were able yeah. to bond. That's the only person. thing exactly. That exactly. We vibed a little. Yeah, just yeah. just a little. A little bit. And we're back. And we're back with me. Sam Maricalio. I picked these three movies tonight, boys, because if there's one common theme of what I like in my movies, it's A, I want there to be a general point about the movie. I don't like aimlessness. 
B, I like oh shit moments. Like that's really like one of my favorite parts of movies. It's just that big like crescendo moment that you're like, oh shit. Like I did not expect that. Um, and third, I love motives. I love motivations for characters. Um, that's a guiding interest of mine. Um, I find movies that don't focus on the motivations of characters to be a little, a little incomplete, but um, you'll find that all three of these movies are very different from each other, um, but they follow those general three things. Um, and in general, like I am very happy to show you these three movies. I think they're all fantastic. And I'm just going to go into this knowing that if Dane had shown these three movies, you guys would be nothing but positive about <laughs> them. So I'm going to take all the, all, the, all the criticism, all the bashing, all of Samir's horniness with a grain of salt, and not think that it's about me. It's more about how you guys view your own selves. Okay, continuing. I think I'll start, <laughs> I'll start it <laughs> off, and we can... We can talk about Brazil first. Yeah, I think we should go Brazil, Perfect Blue, and then Sound of Metal. Because, yeah, agree. I think that's like a good natural, um, yeah. It is like the direct timeline of when those movies were made, too. Mm -hmm. So, Brazil is a 1984 uh, comedy slash action movie slash drama slash bunch of different things slash psychedelic dream uh, directed by Terry Gilliam. Uh, of the Monty Python guys, um, this was he's he's made a couple of movies. This is widely considered his crowning achievement. Um, it is the only movie of his I have actually seen. I've hmm. intended to watch more of them. Uh, like I said, he's the writer on you know life the life of Brian. He's the writer on the Holy Grail. Um, he, but this movie uh, is a trip. It is. If there's anything you can say about it, it's a very divisive movie. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I saw it described as cinema uh, Marmite, the like Australian uh, <laughs> jelly thing. Um, and I think that's an apt description. This is a very strange movie. It is... I mean, let's talk about it. I, have, I still, to this day, have not seen a movie that resembles Brazil in any way. And for a movie to be made in the 80s and still have very few counterparts, I think is pretty pretty impressive and a great sign of my great taste. Okay, <laughs> continuing. We're going to start with... That will we'll be We're going to start... You want to start with me? We're gonna, we'll start with... Let's... Yeah, I, I would anyone like it? I wouldn't start let's with... Let's start I, with I, Dane. Like let's start with... I, yeah, you, let's start with Dane. You want to go with me because you know I'll give a positive response. You just want to... That's right. I would, like to, I would like to pad the ego a little bit before... Corey shits on it for whatever reason he wants to shit on it for. I, you don't know what I'm yeah, going to say. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> but I do. I do know. So like you said, like Brazil absolutely is a psychedelic trip through and through. The movie is crazy. I, one of the things that I really found fascinating about the movie is how all this crazy shit is going on. Um, like, there's terrorist attacks going off. One, for example... Uh, seen in the restaurant, bomb goes off, and the only people that react to it are the people that are hit by the blast. Everyone else in the theater or in the restaurant kind of just continues talking about what they were talking about. So there's just this very interesting, like, learned helplessness throughout the movie. The movie is very visually 
stunning. I love it. The little dream sequences are so awesome. Um, Joe Pesci is in the movie with uh, Robert De Niro. Nice little surprise. I did not know either of them were in the movie. Um, and and like you have to think at this time, like Robert De Niro is one of the biggest actors in the world, and he is literally just like a handyman for like <laughs> maybe three scenes yeah. throughout this movie. But he's also he plays an important role. But he, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But he's not. But he's not like uh, you. You couldn't really bill him as the main actor. It's obviously Jonathan Price is the majority of the movie. Yeah, and I'm a sucker for like uh, satirical humor. This is very much a satire on, I guess, commercialist culture, uh, consumerism. There's a lot of different things that it plays on. So I found that very interesting. Uh, the music, the the main theme, Brazil, so good. I there There's a lot to love about this movie. Um, I will say, one of my few gripes about the movie, though, is I, I did feel at times there was a lack of depth to the characters. Um, what, what's the, um, the girl's name? Yeah, the, I'll bring, I'll bring that up. I don't, I don't remember her name. Yeah. I'll look it up real quick. What? Um, so it is Catherine Helmond plays Missa. Wait, no. <laughs> that's the, that's her, no, that's the mom. That's the mom. Uh, it is, wow, she is so far down. Kim Greist yeah. plays Jill Layton. Okay. Um, I will say that. When I watch the, I don't think this is a perfect movie yeah. by any means. I think the love story is pretty mediocre. Like, if I'm being yeah. frank, like I think that is the weakest part of the movie. Very, un- um, very unbelievable. And I, I don't know yeah, if it's, it, it's, if it it's was just... almost intentional to a point because the movie in and of itself is there's a lot of very unbelievable things that happen, and it, it, it very uh, much is a, is a fantasy of the main character. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't love or. Or really enjoy the the love uh, arc in the movie. Yeah, but it, I mean, it turns out at the I've I forgot to mention one thing. Also, favorite parts about movies are the endings. I'm very much like a person where if the movie ends poorly, I don't think the movie was good. I think all three of these movies have fantastic endings. Like in the Brazil's ending, you realize that the love story isn't real, right? Like it's all in his head, um, essentially, which. I hate to say that, like, that allows for an underwritten character slash love story, but it kind of explains why it's so fantastical. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree with that gripe about the movie. Yeah, I agree that all three movies you brought uh, really stick the landing. Like, they all have fantastic endings. And I guess that's sort of my thing with Brazil is that the final, like, third of this movie, the last third of this movie is fantastic. But, like, yeah. the final third is the movie I wanted to be watching the entire time. But I just sort of felt, for the rest of it, um, that it wasn't really interested in doing the things it, it, it said it, was, it wanted to do, right? Like, it does set up this, this crazy-looking world that definitely um, has some interesting satire about our, obses- our societal obsession with, like, you know, bureaucracy and paperwork and just, and like, yeah, like, consumerism, consumer culture and all that. That's like my my fucking shit. I love that kind of satire. Yeah, yeah. And yet, I feel like, although the movie sets up a really interesting world from the from the from the ghetto get go, it doesn't quite know what to do with it. Particularly because its plot has a to me a weird disconnect with that with the environment. Like 
like Sam Lowry's, uh, you know, Jonathan Price's character's name is Sam Lowry. His adventure has very little to do with the actual setting of Brazil. There's, it really doesn't feel like this satire is is being played out uh, through the the story itself. There's a there's an interesting setting there, and I just feel like Terry Gilliam didn't quite know what to do with it. And I I love Monty Python. I would never ever ever talk shit on on Monty Python. But I've tried to watch a couple of his other movies now, and I've kind of felt that similar response uh, to where I felt like he establishes something really interesting from the get-go and then surprisingly underwhelms from there on out. And that, that's, that's, that just was kind of my... Uh, that's kind of why I walked away from a film that, kind of like you know, last week Samir said, the ice storm had all the pieces and it just didn't come together. That's how I feel about Brazil. It had everything I think I would love in a movie, and it just didn't come together. Right. So, so to your point about the setting... Um... I think it, it that that goes to the other. You guys actually did bring up my two biggest gripes with the movie. One is the kind of underwritten love story, and the second is it's so focused on monotony that I would say halfway through the movie I was like, okay, this is getting monotonous in itself. I think you hit like, the nail we, on the head with that one. Yeah, like yeah, like can we can we shift it a little bit? And that's why I think the final third is so satisfying is because it's gotten so monotonous and then shit just hits the fan. Um, and I think such an, an interesting uh, way. Samir, I think it's it's up to you now, unfortunately. Wait, Dane, did you have a point about the, the setting that you wanted to get through? Uh, not necessarily. Wait, can, before, before I cut off Dane, can we all agree that the set design of this movie is Ridiculous. so cool? Really Amazing. Like, it's so cool. Yeah, that... Um... I, I looked up the budget afterward and mm-hmm. uh, because I, I was curious as to how much this movie was made for because the set design is insane and there's some like wild stunts and car chases and stuff like that. Um, it's cheap. Yeah, and I, I know. I was very surprised by that, of how cheap of a film it was. Um, uh, so going into kind of just the flow of the movie, the opening scene is just so exhilarating. And it really sets the tone perfectly because you have these uh, government, government agents, agents come in and essentially, essentially kidnap this guy who's going to go get killed. And it's traumatizing this family and all this stuff. It, it's just horrifying. And then the the lead official comes in and there's just this really funny interaction about getting her to sign a receipt. And it's like, okay, this is what they're going for. I'm so excited for the rest of the movie. However... I did the middle part of the movie. The second act was, like you said, monotonous. And I felt my attention drifting. And it it really wasn't playing into the excitement that could have been done throughout the entire movie, especially with the set and everything. Uh, All the tools from the storytelling perspective that were available. And then the ending I also thought was amazing. I just wish that would have been a consistent build-up to a crescendo of the finale instead of you start the build-up and then it goes downhill a little bit, kind of falls into a valley, and then it works its way back up to a very exciting ending. Agreed. I can agree with that. My feelings are not super hurt right now, which is good. But weird. That there's weird. one thing I know... If there's one thing I know, it's that Samir will hurt my feelings. So we are on to Samir's opinions on Brazil. So 
contrary to Sam's belief, um, actually, you know, I didn't mind this movie, and this is the first time I'm gonna use this <laughs> word. Mind so, it. It's the most ringing so endorsement Samir <laughs> can get. <laughs> this is the first time I'm gonna use this word without feeling like a complete asshole. Kafka esque. Okay. Yeah, it's so, very Kafka esque. It, it, and I think it's just it's so focused on bureaucracy, and a lot of people um said that you know. Like books of that, um, like 1984 and like um, A Brave New World, like they all deal with like these like kind of like, um, like futuristic landscapes that are just futuristic enough for you to be like, oh damn. Um, I don't know. Like I well, fun I, fact, fun yeah. fa- fun fact. Terry Gilliam had not read 1984 before he made this movie. That he read it after he made this movie, and people were shocked by that. Because yeah, because it it's so like much like 1984. It's he read. It feels like he read 1984 and then wrote a satire of it. That actually is but, so surprising because I so this, it felt like an adaptation for real. Well, yes. Yeah, so, so during this time, during like, I mean, the mid 80s were a very uh, one of the main like narratives and literary pieces being made was similar to like this 1984 Kafka esque type dystopian, and this is definitely of the of the of the time the like lightest take on the mo- on the the genre um but yeah fun fact terry gilliam had not read 1984 before he made this movie yeah i mean speaking about like the the movie itself like <laughs> the first thing i want to say about it is i thought it was really funny like i just yes. thought it was like yeah it's hilarious uh, humor is definitely the strongest point i think yeah and i i think why that works is that like it's kind of like dark and it's kind of like because i think that's the one good thing about satire is that like it's always it when it's done right, tends to be acidic, um, and that really contrasts well and punches up the humor. Um, whenever it's there, like I don't know, like this is so stupid. Like obviously we talked about like the plastic um surgery scene where like her face is being extended. It's, it's so funny, so funny, though. and like this is so stupid. Like I don't even like my eleven year old boy came out um whenever I saw this. You but, an eleven year old like, son. <laughs> yeah my my 11 year old son get, enjoyed this get back in the get closet back. Get back. i'm watching um, a movie no, it, it's like it's like wait, in the wait, first wait, you guys, uh... minutes, whenever they blow the uh they blow a circle through like the roof in this movie and like the upstairs neighbor is there and like she's looking through it she says hey what's going on and the soldiers just start shooting at her randomly like and they miss each time i don't know i thought that was so well funny, i also but... i also love when the or like right is... after that they go when they go, we they go. There's been a mistake. And yeah, there's go, been a mistake. Mistakes. Yeah, there's been a mistake. And they just throw it yeah. through. No, my hardest laugh came <laughs> um, when when uh, the typist was typing these like ah no like like screaming and then yeah, yeah. you don't you don't really understand what's going on and then Sam Lavery finally gets her attention and she like lifts her headphones and you just hear someone on the other end like technically dic- dictating that to her just, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. genuinely going ah no please stop. Yeah. That was really funny. <laughs> um, so the humor is like is a strong point i think what i've noticed generally across mediums um for satire and like satire pieces is that they generally have like a really good concept they have a good premise um and it tends to kind of look like all the pieces are there like it all makes sense on paper and then when you actually see it on screen like i think this is what leads to the second act dragging a little bit um I think that that kind of partially explains why, because the third act I also really enjoyed, like it kind of brings it back up because whenever you have like an idea, you think of like the opening and then you think of the ending. So like when this was first like conceptualized, I bet like they were sitting there like, okay, and the final scene is going to be, it was like, it was a lobotomy and he's like, 
because he was dreaming. It's like, okay, that's going to be like a big punch. And then the opening is going to be this. This is going to be the concept. And sometimes like you fall in love with an idea so much that you kind of tend to not be mechanical about it and like forget like the actual, you know, rising tension, inciting incident, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it kind of falls prey to that, which is why, because I also felt the same way. Like the second act, like maybe it was by design that it's so monotonous, but I don't think that excuses like um, the story kind of flattening a little bit. Maybe it does. Uh, for me, like I also felt that was kind of draggy. But the third like positive thing, wow, I'm being so positive today. The positive I'm Let's going to say. Let's fucking go, right. baby. Let's yeah. go. The, the other biggest positive, which like everybody else already mentioned but like i want to emphasize it like the visuals are so awesome like i think it's perfectly it's so cool the it's perfectly my tone like generally like the yeah like you know everything looks like realistic and cool but like when visuals and like an environment has a tone i really like that and i like the tone of the visuals in the best way i was thinking about this all day like how can i describe it and i think the phrase i want to use is cartoonishly menacing I say that yeah, because no, it's well you know what it reminded me of a, more than anything is like dr seuss like it yeah like mm-hmm. it like it's, which yeah. i it's, i honestly struggle with that to a certain extent because i was like it it looked as good as a dr seuss adaptation mm-hmm. would look which is to say it, that would look really freaking cool but i think the issue that i run into which i think you were kind of getting at smear you guys know i'm i'm the one i think if anything who i like to defend when movies kind of lean more towards style over substance but I think in this case, this movie wants... Oh, come the fuck on, Corey. No, this movie wants <laughs> so badly to convince you of its substance, despite really only remaining in the realm of style. Why, why do you think it wants so desperately? I think, I think Brazil's a movie that really wants you to think it's really smart in its satire. And I think it's the kind of thing where the premise... It is, is smart. The premise satire. is really smart. I agree. I'm not... Put yeah. the, I'm not sure the movie actually lives up to the to how just how clever of a premise it establishes. So, like a good movie is gonna Disagreed. have it's it's not gonna have one punch. It's gonna have one knot, like one punch, and then it's gonna have another bigger punch, and it's gonna final. And it's gonna have like a final, like you know. So there's like three different tricks in it. I think this movie has like one and a half tricks, um, which is kind of but and they're those one and a half tricks are really good and they're entertaining enough for me to be able to sit here and actually be positive for once. So that's saying something. But Corey said Dr. Seuss, right? I think that this movie is not just Dr. Seuss. It's like if Dr. Seuss took peyote in like <laughs> the Sonoran <laughs> Desert or something. So like I think it it's had still, a bad trip. It had a bad trip. Like it still has that very menacing aspect to it. Um, Like even the lights that they use, like there is that like kind of subtly dark undertone. Maybe it's not so subtle, but like it's just – it's dark and that really like combines really well with whimsy and i think directors like tim burton have really realized that early on in their career that like it's so weird how like whimsy and cartoonishness plays really well with like darkness um so that's kind of how i felt and i really dig that overall though like Um, i think that like it gets lost in its concept a bit yeah james i i think uh and you well for me whenever i was watching it i thought of like raw doll Almost yeah. what I would think would be like the yeah. the teenage or young adult uh, Doctor Seuss. It's very much like a shell yeah, where it's it's dark, but there is that whimsy to it. Well, can even I, like, so like Robert De Niro's so costume. We, Wait, so can I ask a question? <laughs> yeah, about a, about a, uh, yeah, of course. Another movie that I think 
I, it's interesting to put in. Oh no, no, well, no. It's about it, it's an interesting movie to put in a conversation with this. Which movie oh, would you guys? Pre- <laughs> which movie would you guys prefer, Brazil or The Matrix? I've never that's, seen The Matrix. I'm it, not gonna lie. That, wow, okay. that, Corey, that, have, that is an interesting I, I, question. That's like one of the is, classics I just have never seen. I have seen The it. Matrix it, is is well. That's the thing. Like the the. Oh my god, Corey! I didn't like say when you were giving your movies. I was like, so this is a movie, but <laughs> no, compared no, to I, this, I think better, no, I think, really I, think Brazil, I, I, I think it's actually I, I think an it important movie to put in a conversation yeah. with Brazil because I think they're doing very similar things, uh, but. The Matrix, for whatever reasons, does... I mean, Brazil is considered a classic. I'm not taking that away from it. But The Matrix has clearly established itself as one of the more iconic movies of the past couple decades. And The Matrix has a the Matrix has a $250 million budget. Oh, I mean, that's, was, that's true, but that doesn't, that doesn't paint the whole picture. I think so, my answer, and I'm, I don't want to hear you yours, but I think The Matrix, which also has an interest in bureaucracy and an interest in just, like, sort of... Uh, you know, our contemporary society losing its way does find a way to marry like substance, substance and style. It sets up a really cool premise and pays off that premise. And I'm just not sure if Brazil does that in the same way. And the other thing I want to add on, I'm actually getting you... mad. <laughs> I'm like actually getting, I, mean, yes. I like thought I wasn't going to get mad, but this is actually such a ridiculous concept of an argument. Uh, no, the I think other it's thing a worthwhile I want to add on to you, Corey. I think, is like when I was talking about like tricks that a movie will have. Ma- the Matrix, right? It explores bureaucracy, but there's also like a dream versus reality versus like consciousness aspect to it. Then there's the whole like stylized slow motion fights aspect to it. Um, there is like there's other aspects to it that I think is what makes it more of like what makes it live on in cultural consciousness more. Um, this movie like. I, I at least had not heard of it before. I mean, I'm still glad I watched it. Um, but I think that while it, it doesn't have enough memorable moments, I think. It has, like, two or three. But I think that there's points where, like, especially in that second act, it could have, like, had more, like, spike points, if that makes sense. Like, more points to be like, okay, you're you're getting tuned out. Here's your attention back again. Um, um, but, again, the budget is a very real issue but i think that really talented directors can find a way to work around that um even with measly set pieces set pieces were great by the way okay court i mean easily in this they're, they're not measly i'm not saying measly but like <laughs> sam's about to like burst a vein okay, or something like an overreaction. i was gonna say Dane, i need I, you to come i in. was gonna say sam before you burst let me just feel your anger a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yes. let's, let's like okay. let's like release. No, that. oh my god, I should have okay. I should have gone so harder so, on Corey's movies. I actually feel like it's a total chance miss. At at first, I while Corey proposed that, and I was thinking like, oh, it's not, it's not fair to compare compare an action movie to Brazil. However, Corey made the point that a lot of the plot of Brazil, especially in the middle, doesn't play off the setting of what is built up. Whereas in The Matrix, the middle part of the movie is action and you have your slow motion, all this stuff. So, And very much the, the plot of the movie of him being the one is built specifically in that world. And all the action and the set pieces have a connection to the setting of the movie 
Whereas, like, in Brazil, you have the opening establishes the the setting and the backdrop of the city perfectly. Same thing with the ending. But the love story and his overall conflict in the middle, I guess on a deeper level, you could say it relates to, like, this isolationist type society they're living in. But it still has to be interesting. And oh my god, the, the the middle is lags compared to the beginning and the end. But you guys are acting like it's this like absolute abomination of a cinematic experience. Let's remember. No, shut up. <laughs> let's remember. Let's remember that halfway through the movie is where the majority of the dreams take place. And if that doesn't grab your attention, like maybe you're just Samir and you should watch The Descendants for the thirty second time. But like, but like. W- the se- are the dream sequences not interesting to you guys like did you not were you not engaged with those i, I know mean, that they're not super fleshed out but like they i thought those were visually stunning and those were also super interesting for jonathan price's character which we haven't talked about but jonathan price is fantastic in this movie he's 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 a great actor and he does amazing in this movie yeah all and, the acting in the movie is great yeah i i I like I get that the I cuz that is in my original review of this movie that the middle does lag compared to the beginning and the front but that's only because I think the beginning and the end are so great in this movie um um you know maybe maybe the middle could have been a little more interesting it does kind of when it's not out of the dream sequences it is very much in a a mundane office setting but that's also kind of what the setting is like we're 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 acting like it's this whole like you know expansive cityscape which it definitely has but a lot of it is just people being stuck in a cubicle or in their house you know devoid of all you know fun essentially i mean like yeah like i i think without like repeating too much like i think it's just like visually it's fantastic but i think i just needed more plot points in the middle like more actionable moments in the middle like you said there was a lot of dream sequences and then you can kind of leave that feeling like not having really felt that emotional connection you might have and we're talking we're going to talk about this later but in movies like the sound of metal that you might have seen but like you kind of leave it with like oh like i don't feel like i've learned enough about jonathan price's character and i also feel like the story hasn't moved forward so you get the worst of both worlds. Um, but, you know, that being said, whenever their baseball hats keep growing, I love that. Uh, whenever the mechanics come to their house. I don't know. Like, it's just, like, small tidbits. A, yeah, that, that was a great movie. moment. Of like, of, like, visual humor. And, like, every time, like, you would cross-section or, like, cut, like, a building, it'd just be, like, a ton of, like, pipes and stuff. Like, like the cake meme. Lots of pipes in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, man. Yeah. I before I like I in general get what you guys are saying about this movie. I don't I don't prescribe to them a whole lot, but I I definitely get it. Can we just say that the ending is absolutely spectacular? Like it That's is a good in ending. that amazing very, yeah. in that amazing set and the fact that the credits roll with him just singing is like haunting to me. Like honestly, like it feels like a horror movie for the last fifteen minutes um well that's the thing like and with it them cutting the green screen of them like you think that they end up in the the house and i was like while i was watching i was like no fucking way like they ended up okay and then it just 
and then the music just cuts and it's them looking at him again and it's like there's like the that sense of dread that you get and you're like oh shit no never mind well that like yeah that's... and it it breaks up the this interesting point where the movie is about like how they can take away all of your freedom all of authoritarianism can take away everything except what's happening inside your own head which is really like the ethos of brazil like they they take it's a very drab setting in a lot of times but he still dreams he still sings brazil in his head yeah. it's still um, which, that's what which that's why is, i think the ending is so great which is the exact same ending of 1984 so i'm really surprised that he didn't read it because it's the yeah. almost like textbook mimic of that ending um the other question i had that i'm going to bring up real quick before we move on here is to ask if you guys have seen the movie idiocracy by like mike yeah, Judge, yeah. who did like king of the hill and like that's all a that. funny movie yeah. yeah, it's it's a funny movie, and I think I only want to bring it up in conversation is that I kind of feel about that movie how I feel about this movie in the sense that it's like, it's, it's a satire, and it's got like a really great premise um, of like a guy being frozen in time and waking up when everybody's like so much dumber, whenever we see future people as being so much smarter and more advanced, like everyone's just like really stupid. Um, so I think that's like a great premise, and it also has like a really worked out ending, but like it kind of like loses itself in that premise just a bit um and i just thought of that i was like okay do i know another movie like that and i think it would be this movie but um anyways yeah brazil sounds good i still would recommend cool. this film yeah i could live i think we can all recommend that yeah. this yeah, movie i would even if you don't love it it's mm. it's very it's a memorable movie You're, and it's it is one of it is one of the 1980 cult classic films. And I'll definitely so, remember I, I, forever at least certain images in this movie. Like, yeah. And that's, that is that's kind really of the important. best thing a movie can do at the end of the day. Exactly. So. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, oh, score wait, wait. one for Sam. Wait a minute. We, no, have to, we, we have to talk about who this movie was for. We didn't do that. Yet. Oh, right. good yeah. call. Good call. Okay. So who do you guys think this movie was for? So I think this movie was for Corey, and I think it was because, like, I think Sam understands Corey, and I also understand Corey. Everyone understands, Dana understands Corey, everyone understands Corey, to the point that we see Corey's, you know, his, his stick-it-to-the-man, you know, type, type establishment, like, I don't know, but I, I, I definitely think that you, you said that, like, when you said that all the pieces were there, um, but it didn't click. I think that was really revealing in the sense that I think even deep down, you also know that like, this is just completely like, you know, the pieces at least like on paper, it would really make sense to say that, okay, I think Corey would like this movie because like the type of like what it wants to satire is something that um, obviously like many people feel passionate about. Uh, so for that reason, I'm casting my vote saying that this movie was for Corey. Yeah, Samir basically said what I was thinking. I also thought this was for Corey. So this is interesting because last week I feel like everyone was always unanimous on all the guesses and ended up just pretty much being correct. But I'm going to go a different direction. I actually think this one is for Dane. Uh, mostly just because I, and I'll get into a little bit uh, about why I think uh, our next movie might have been for me. But uh, I thought Brazil was for Dane just because I thought that at the end of the day, it's a lot of different genres, but it does sort of speak the language of an action film. Uh, and I think, you know, that is something that we know uh, is sort of Dane's bread and butter. 
Uh, and Dane just loves a lot of fun and a lot of color, and this movie certainly certainly brings that. Um, and we we know Dane loves everything, so I thought the one that <laughs> the one that's that uh Sam was maybe uh like he said it was a divisive film. Bringing a divisive film to us three, uh, you can usually count on Dane to to being the one that <laughs> one, one that likes it. So that's yeah. why I think it's for Dane. But I could totally see why it might be for for me as well. There those those points are definitely well taken. It was it's interesting oh. that you say that because like as I was watching this, like. It, it very much the same thing. It has a, a, a lot of the components that I would love in a movie, but I, there are also a lot of things in here, um, like Samir said, that I thought really aligned with, with what Corey was thinking. And I also share that I watch anime a lot, so that kind of led right. me to think that maybe Purple the Blue, Blue might have been for me, but I don't know. My, my one, so. as painful as it is, compliment towards Sam. Compliment, Sam. Is that I think Let's he did go. a really good job actually of picking movies that do kind of lend themselves to like ambiguity on who it's for. Because every, every single one of these movies, like I kind of went back and forth saying that, like, okay, like really, like you could argue it, you could actually make like some solid arguments on who it's for. So, um, if that was, I, yeah, mean, I, f- I fucked that up. That I feel like I brought three movies that were so overt, overtly obvious as to who I brought them for. I mean, and that's a different kind of fun in having that discussion. But I think it's also really interesting when you have movies that could be, because they play to both of our strengths. And I'm going to talk about this with our next movie. But Sam, yeah, big reveal. So uh, thank you for the compliment, Samir. I will not soon forget that you complimented <laughs> me. And I will have it recorded so I can always listen back to it. Um I mean, Corey knows me so well. He is spot on. This movie is for Dane. Whoa! Uh, and it's for and it and it was for all the reasons he said. Um, it, it this is the closest movie I could think of to like a campy superhero movie that's not about superheroes. Like you, it see, is. It's funny. It is like. I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. It's funny you say that because during the flashback scenes, I was like, it. Is it? it it's it's got to be for me. But then I was just back and forth. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and and yeah, I, so I don't want to get us off on a, on a superhero tangent, but I will say one more movie that it did actually remind me of that I think you guys could probably agree with is Thor Ragnarok. I think that a mm-hmm. lot of the bit, yeah. colors and architecture looked very similar to what Taika Waititi was doing with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah, so this was a movie for Dane. It, it, Corey's right, especially about the divisiveness of it. I knew Dane was going to like this movie. <laughs> Damn, Corey. Damn. The other two movies I picked, I th- the other two movies I would I picked, I would be shocked if you guys didn't at least like, at the very least. Um. So, and yeah, I think I think it's and and the the biggest point was also Corey's point, which was that it at its at its uh you know essence, it is an action movie. And when I think of action movies, I think more for Dane than i do for Corey, so uh that's why yeah brazil was my uh was my dane pick which then takes us to our next movie which is perfect Perfect. blue and perfect blue is a i want to get this right perfect blue is a 1997 uh anime film directed by satoshi khan uh satoshi khan is most known for this movie as well as paprika which is another dream, dreamy, like horror slash thriller uh, movie. This movie is a fucking trip as well. This movie is 
like as crazy as brazil um there is a plenty of reasons why i love this movie um i think the main the main reasons is a has a fantastic ending ending 30 minutes um b i think the characters are really interesting in this in this movie c i think i'm like i'm a sucker for like just mind fucked mind fucked movies in general and this movie is like honestly like Corey and i were talking about it a little bit but this movie is terrifying because it's just you have no idea what's actually happening and as well as like i think this this movie has such cool commentary on like like we have to imagine like this was 1997 is this movie not insanely prophetic for how stan culture is now and how we obsessively obsessively idolize celebrities and how we obsessively compare ourselves to others um that is like the general premise of this movie uh which is played out in a movie that that really can only be told as an anime which i think is is one of its biggest strengths this movie is similar in a lot of ways to black swan um but the general way in which it's told is is different um and i think only really works as an animated movie so um yeah excited to hear what you guys think about this movie i well real quick we brought up kafka a little bit ago and at one point one of the characters says the word metamorphosis and i went right i was like that's so true so overall like that i I love this movie. I really did. I know I love everything, but I actually like was floored by this movie because of all yeah. the imagery and like the symbolism and stuff. And I think one of my absolute favorite things about the movie is how is it uh uh Mima? Is that, is that her name? I think yeah. So. Um, she yeah Mima. She moves on from her singing career to be an actress, and she's on a TV show which to me felt very silence of the lambs they talk about how the killer is skinning and wanting to wear and wanting to become a woman and as she her her dreams and her mental state just continues to decline it is by the end of the movie almost impossible impossible to distinguish what is real whether it's the tv show is what's real or it's what she's actually experienced what she is experiencing is real like there's there's the part when she's getting her psych evaluation and it's done with the tv show dialogue and then the next scene is the same scene but with the names of the main characters and i was just like that i love that so much the, the and that just those are like just like imitating life two yeah. layers like there's also the third oh, layer yeah. Which is just like her act, her general um, psyche. Like you know, you could yeah, her you could say that everything everything that's happening is just solely in her mind and not happening on any level. Mm-hmm. Which on um, any level, I love that shit. Yeah, yeah one of the I things. Think, yeah. No, go ahead, Samir. I was just gonna say, like, um, just a quick, uh, like, I think the screenplay of this movie is insane. I honestly think it has the best screenplay of the three, and one of the best screenplays that, like, at least on like a plot level like if a screenplay is like the way a story is told like the way scenes are arranged like is so like smart it's just a very smart movie i think um and so smart yeah it's it's funny too because something that i i got silence of the lambs vibes 
But I knew there was one other connection to that movie that I wasn't making. And then at, at the end of the movie, the the murderer, well, I guess May Mania, who is like the disformed, very creepy, almost Michael Myers-esque bad guy, is like this like stalker-type villain who is obsessed with Mima. And then the parallel came that with Jodie Foster, she had the super fan from Taxi Driver who yeah. eventually tried to kill, assassinate Ronald Reagan. And oh, wow. I, I just thought there was, there that's, was that's a, good lot, connection. a lot there. And I, I, it, I wouldn't have thought of just, that. I don't know. This, the whole movie with just what it's trying to do, I found so fascinating. There's yeah. so many layers. And the, yes, I think the Samir brings up a good point about this this screenplay in this thing. If you guys thought that there is a wasted there's wasted moments in Brazil, I think there's there's honestly no argument that there are wasted moments in Perfect Blue. It is it is one of the tightest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Every single scene is and it's it's building so well throughout it, where it like it's a little slow paced, a little dreamlike, and then it just gradually, you know. The shit hits the fan essentially. It really is, and the and way it progresses—sorry, you want to? No, the way it progresses, along with also one of the most insane scores I've ever heard. That that that, that droning yeah, so synth cool, score right? is is part of the reason why, like you know, Sam and I, Sam mentioned that he and I had texted briefly about this movie. This I I you know we had a whole episode dedicated to horror, and um, none of the movies that I watched for that really scared me like necessarily, like the way that you expect to be scared by a horror film. Perfect Blue really fucking scared me. I felt very uncomfortable Honestly. and unsettled sitting uh, sitting in my house and watching this movie. Uh, and it is because I think, like you mentioned, the way things progress and the way the score sort of ushers those moments along. Um, yeah, I, I I thought that was that was absolutely brilliant. And the other thing, the other thing I just I just want to say real quick is, it, well, it, it's hard for me to talk about this movie without mentioning the fact that the second I sat down to watch it. I knew Sam had picked this movie for me. And that was part of, again, the reason I, I knew I was able to deduce that Brazil was, was for Dane because um, I don't think that uh, it's a secret that um, I can be pretty hit or miss with anime films. If anything, I think I lean more towards the miss side. Um, I like the Miyazaki films a lot, um, but, you know, I, we had a whole segment dedicated to me shitting on Grave of the Fireflies and um, <laughs> I've just, I, I just anime films just haven't done it for me. But the second I sat down to watch this one, I was like, "Oh, I see what Sam's trying to do. He's trying to uh, he's trying to find a anime film that will will convince me." And it worked. It re- it really worked. Uh, I I was very what's, much convinced. What's interesting yeah. about that, Corey, is that I had a very strong argument. I mean, we're gonna get into this later, but I'm gonna introduce it briefly. That this movie was actually for me because Sam knows how much I love Black Swan and um this kind of follows that kind of like complete shattering of psyche. So again, just an example of a good pick by Sam in that direction. But talking more about like the screenplay, I just want to mention, I had a great viewing experience. I saw this last night and I w- I myself was in a state of like a, a, like falling asleep and like where I wasn't completely asleep. So it almost felt like I was losing my mind when I was watching this because I was like, I think it was like 1 a.m. and I was like beginning to doze off and I was watching it and I was like, holy shit, what is going on? Like, I feel like, like I honestly started like almost hyperventilating where I was like, damn it. Like, I just can't keep up. Like, it's, 
it's so crazy. And then like slowly, like the denouement, like the falling action, I started to put it back together. That was like, there was a moment there, like a 10 minute stretch where I was like, holy crap, I'm genuinely losing my mind right now. Like I felt like yeah. her, which is crazy. When you she killed, when she, well, we don't know exactly yeah. what happens, but when she kills the director and you just like have with the with the like stabbing him in the eye which is so grotesque yeah. and like, speaking is, with just so fucked with it's so fucked up it's a grotesque you, movie but that then. entire part i was yeah yeah, it yeah is that entire grotesque. time i like literally was like like lunched up i was like oh fuck what the fuck is happening right now like there it is it is a fucking terrifying there is movie. something with anime and animation that makes gore so much more disturbing and and visually just ghastly and i also want to point out how we talked about like these murder scenes how incredibly directed those scenes were the scene in the parking garage with the build-up of the song of the uh, cd player coming down the elevator to it to open open and the reveal and also how basically every action is a close-up on like the knife or screwdriver it was just it was very like psycho just it just got underneath your your skin and the reveal at the end like it, it really all comes together yeah. and, th- and those scenes were terrifying in in the garage i i thought that uh me mania was just gonna walk in through my door and start singing one I had of to, songs yeah and i did turn on i had to turn on a light while i was watching it i was getting so i was getting so like i was like looking around and like i don't normally like i don't like horror movies but i can generally be like okay like i i know that i'm about to get scared but like this movie i was like okay this is getting like really fucking intense right now and and i think one of the things we talked about the screenplay uh a good amount already but like i'm someone where it's like if there's too many twists, I kind of go like, okay, like, what's the fucking point now? But, like, this movie has a twist on a twist on a twist, and still the final reveal that the stalker was actually her manager was, like, yeah. fucking mind-blowing to me. I was like, I, I, that was, I had no idea that's how they were going to take it. Well, can and, we, like, can we talk about you, that? Because I want to, I'm curious to see how people read that moment. Like, did we take that moment? Did you guys take that moment at face value? Do you actually interpret that is as the true ending of the movie or is the the act you know the the final scene definitely gives you reason to for pause and to interpret on any of the the several levels that we mentioned earlier i do interpret it at a somewhat face value like i do interpret that that was actually the stalker because it's the only thing that explains how she how the the website knows exactly what she was doing every single day at like multiple times Unless the the Michael Myers type stalker was getting into the set to watch, which they also allude to, I honestly I I still don't know. I like that's the crazy part of the movie is I still don't really know what actually happened, what didn't. But it it's such a well directed and like cool sequence of events that like any honestly, and any of the theories like any of the actual endings would be engrossing to me like i would if they if you told me that that was all in her head i'd be like that's crazy if you told me it was actually the manager was her stalker i'd be like that's insane if it was the michael myers was the stalker i'd be like also creepy like 
it really didn't matter to me how it actually ended but yeah yeah um, Samir, what did you I, think about i, I think ending? that i think that the ending um like you said was just super super cool in the sense that like it really applies well to each of like different layers but also something i kind of want to bring up like it kind of spurs um is the one gripe i had about the movie which is the fact that i do think that it's a little bit like rough around the edges in the sense that like um like it's almost like i really like pacing in movies and this is such a fast-paced movie like it's so exhilarating um i think that that can sometimes get a bit jarring like the one sequence where she like kept waking up for the dream they do that four times like there's no other word i have for that other than jarring in the sense that it's like a bit exhaustive like i wish that they would have just sat in some key moments just for a little bit longer maybe like even a minute or two makes a world's difference in a movie um just because it's such a thick plot and there's so many different readings and the writing is so tight i think that sometimes you you, you lose some of that like silky smoothness that is in like slower movies um so it is i still think important to strike that balance um like again you don't need like that 10 minute train scene like in spirited away um it's not 10 minutes but like that's an example of a mo like a scene that really sits in that moment i think that at some points it could have used some of those where you just have like a small like not comedic re like release or anything like that but just kind of like a release of just like holy crap i'm being bombarded by like craziness right now um but that was, that I, was definitely just, agree, I guess Samir. that could be subjective yeah i definitely no, agree I can, I can see that as well it, it doesn't let you breathe at yeah. all except for the first maybe 15 mm -hmm. minutes but even those are still with the drone with the drone noise it, it is a it's a highly stressful yeah it, it was very like uncut gems like it it doesn't give you a chance to yeah well, and it, we, i yeah. was gonna t i was gonna bring that up we, as well and, like, it's we, interesting to compare uh, it to it sorry god dan uh, i i was no. gonna say like with brazil i said movie doesn't necessarily build up to a crescendo there's some bumps in between whereas this movie i really felt like as the movie went on i got more anxious i got more stressed out I got more nervous, more confused as to what was real and what wasn't. And I don't know. I, I don't know if there not being like a, a scene to really just give the, the viewer a break, like bothered me because at the end of the day, I, I do the hour 20 minute runtime I thought was perfect for the it's movie. It's a short. It's yeah, very it's a short, short movie. and it, it was short, got to the point, And I, I feel like, uh, emotionally and the way i felt watching it it did what it wanted to do yeah yeah i mean i agree yeah i i agree that it didn't it it was like very economical in that sense and therefore it doesn't necessarily need anything more where i do sort of agree with samir is that um it's not even necessarily that it needed to slow down and like smell the flowers like you know you know samir compared it to a spirit away and i think it's interesting to compare it to any miyazaki film because miyazaki films are totally in like they have nowhere to go you know what i mean and that's they the, meander. that's their strength their strength is that they're they're just chilling and they're they're really not in any hurry to get to their conclusion uh whereas this movie really wants to get there and that's fine um what, what i would have liked maybe was a chance to to learn a little bit more about at least a couple of these characters um for example her stalker is a is a type of character that i find very fascinating um, and I think it, the yeah. the movie finds cell type. the movie finds very fascinating. Obviously, that's essentially what the movie's about is is this kind of person, and this and he represents the kind of culture sur or surrounding 
celebrity and, and stan culture. And yet he is kind of, you know, Dane re- referred to him earlier as essentially like a Michael Myers figure, which, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily damage the movie that he, that, it, that is all he is. But I, I don't think it would have hurt to maybe learn a little bit more about him or see him, see some more of him outside of uh, him being just this very like foreboding, ominous figure. It's a minor gripe because everything does come together so perfectly in its runtime that I almost can't imagine a different version of it. But if if you told me uh, if if you told me there were some deleted scenes of this movie, I'd, I would hope at least that they might be um, contributing and expanding upon his character a little bit. Um, I actually I really agree with that actually, Corey. I think if there was one thing I would want to know, it's a little bit more of the the antagonist like motivations slash like just what their life is like like. You have to imagine if you become an incel stalker, there has to be either traumatic shit happening in your life or just like a life that is is very foreign to a lot of people. So right. it would have been interesting to get a little glimpse yeah. into what leads to someone becoming the way they are. I, I have a question to pose, but first, uh, yeah, w- sure. with that, I, I do think um, the main antagonist, I do think it would have been, I agree, beneficial to get more backstory on him. But I also don't think it necessarily hurt the movie in in any way that it didn't. At least, like for for well. my my thoughts anyway. Uh, my question is, you did talk about getting more backstory on some of the characters. What about Rumi? What did you guys think about Rumi? Yeah, in, that's in particular. That's exactly what I was going to say. In particular, the the ending and her motivation behind what happened or what didn't happen. I don't really know because that was one thing at the end. I kind of felt myself like needing to really look back and think about her scenes to try and understand her motivation because there's not much talk from her afterwards other than from the the one doctor at the end who kind of is like well she yeah. has split personality we we talked so. about this super briefly i think when you stepped out Dane just about like oh, okay. the the ending <laughs> Um, but I think you do make a really good point that I agree with in the sense that, like, because it ended the way it did, like, where, like, Rumi is now, like, a really pivotal person in the story, I wish that we got, um, just like you said with the Michael Myers guy, like, I wish we got some more time. We do get a lot of time with her, but, like, some more emotional core time with her where we get to see her as more of, like, an emotional creature, um, rather than just, like, her assistant, like maybe like some like like i don't know some inkling of like okay like this is how she feels so we get like like a like a bigger sense of her as a character um but then like then again that that could honestly just be like a minute and a half more of time with her but yeah i don't know well it i'm being nitpicky, well you know what's but... funny about rumi is that i interpreted room like like my default reading of the ending was not that that was actually happening with Rumi. My default reading yeah, that's, was that well, basically once uh, Mima kills her stalker, that t- to me marked a turning point at which you can no longer trust what you're seeing. That is like that's like her full evolution into sort of like her alter ego, and therefore everything insanity. else that happened was just in her head, and she was projecting it onto Rumi. Like I imagined, a, like um, you know her running through the streets and Rumi trying to catch her and calm her down. But in her head, she sees Rumi as this attacker trying to chase her uh, and, and like this imposter. That could very well be an incorrect reading. But 
No, I th- that's no. one of the common interpretations and, of the movie. And I totally see that now. I I didn't really think about it that way. Um, but the ending, like the final scene, really gives credence to that. Where she has this like badass moment where she flicks her sunglasses down and she's like, kind of right off into the sunset. I mean, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was that was very profound of you to just come to this conusion. So I, I I I agree with that. And again, also, that's that's, well, that's the thing I wanted it, to mention that that's Sam Sam mentioned when he first introduced the movie. Um, and another again, another reason that um, I kind of knew this this pick was for me is. I one of my biggest gripes with any animated film. I, I love animation, but what animation has to do is justify it, its existence as animated. You know, like it, like anim- You need to use the animation or, or or prove why you chose to be an animated film. And this movie very much does that. And you just brought up the perfect example, which is um, you know, there's plenty of examples throughout the movie, but I think the ending is just a great example. Like the the manipulation of her face in that final scene to to like you know conflate you know, which version of Mimo we're getting, there's really no live action equivalent of that. Like that had to be animated yeah. and it's so, so effective. Cool. Can I just, uh, uh do we want to get, I, I just yes, want to, I just want to shout out my favorite scene, in this whole entire movie when, um, <laughs> like it's, it happens in the first 15 minutes when like they're at the movie set and the envelope blows up. And there's like this two minute silence, and like the one dude is just like, I think the envelope blew up in his face. I think that envelope just blew up in his face. So funny. Well, I'm glad Samir could find the humor from an otherwise very intense and sad movie. It's it's just um, like a- anime and like anime voices naturally will always have like this like inherent humor to me with like all of like their like. <laughs> Like grunting oh? and stuff like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> but but I think but but okay. We'll get yeah. into so who did you guys think uh, Perfect Blue was for? So what I will say is that at first I was like, okay, well Dane is like the resident anime guy of our group, or at least that's what I would think of. So I was like, this is a smart pick because like thematically and like like everything I really like in like movies, like in the writing, is present in this movie. So even though on the exterior it's like shallow, it could be a shallow Dane pick, or it could be one that like I could argue for myself. Um, Dane pick. Well, no, no, no. Like, no, no. I know. I, no, I, I, I mean, I mean, not that. Like, I. What I meant is that your decision could be shallow. Like, it could be a pick that okay, you didn't okay, put much thought you, into, but not that Dane. It was a shot shallow. at That's you. That's not what I'm saying. It was a shot at yeah, you. It was, it was, yeah. It was, exactly and dane got that right yeah it was a shot at sam not you but but then i started thinking about it i was like huh do you think that he put the time and effort to really make this a contested thing and then later in today's episode Corey drops a bombshell and it's like damn now this has changed my whole view because i think you (laughs) picked a movie that you could have made an argument that it could be for any of us um obviously i think uh Corey's gonna talk about it but um I'm just I'm shook because I think there's a lot for me to really like in this movie enough to be able to claim it. So I'm still gonna say, even though we kind of already know the answer, I'm still gonna say I think it's for me. Kind of pointless at this point, but that's how yeah. I'm gonna close what I'm gonna say. I appreciate it. I appreciate. I mean, it. being that my uh, last prediction was incorrect for uh, thinking that it would was me, I think Corey described me better than I even know myself. 
So <laughs> I, I think this Brazil for me, I think this one was for Corey. Yeah, I mean, uh, also keep in mind that Sam and I watched Sound of Metal together, so <laughs> it kind of, it kind of also makes it a little. Throws bit, a monk, it kind of. Um, but yeah, I'll just one more time, you know, confirm that I, I really, the second I sat down to watch this, I was like, this, holy shit, this is this is for me. If you looked at a list and saw that one of the three was an anime film, you'd be like, oh, that's definitely for either Dane or Samir. It's definitely not for Corey. But I think that was kind of what Sam was trying to do here, was find one that 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 would strike a chord with me and again it, it really did it it has it focuses on probably my favorite subject matter too like i i have this mm-hmm. thing with with Mine as well. movies where sometimes i tell myself i love that the, the only movie. yeah it, it's i mean it, this movie is is awesome the way it talks about celebrity but just in general like sometimes i feel like all the best movies are about movies like like i don't know like like at the end of the mm-hmm. day movies are are really good or perhaps at their best when they're talking about themselves, when they're talking about the culture around movies, around celebrity, and like around what it means to to tell a story or to turn something into a story or to turn a person into um, an icon or, or anything, for whatever reason, the the art of of film is really good at talking about the art of film. And, and so the second I figured out that this movie was dealing in that realm, I was like, yeah, there's there's not a doubt in my mind that that Sam tried to find the the anime for me. And, and I gotta admit, I, I think. I, I, we started out negative tonight, but I'm glad we can we can be positive from here on out because uh, I think I think he did a good job. This might be our most positive yeah, episode yeah. yet. Damn, guys. <laughs> no, I I will honestly say like I was very proud to have this as one of my picks. I think you guys all touched on the fact that um, there was multiple times when I was picking. I, I picked this movie originally not knowing who I was going to pick this for. Um, unfortunately, watching sound of metal with Corey kind of throws a monkey wrench into my entire thing because i think this is a movie that speaks to all three of you and i'm, I'm glad it did speak to all three of you guys um but yeah Corey, Corey is right this was for him and dane was right as well um uh, and samir thank you for playing the game and saying this <laughs> for yourself um but so like Corey has has gone on the podcast and talked about how he doesn't really like anime movies how they don't really speak to him and I really did try to find an anime movie that I think would speak to him, and I'm so happy that it did. But, I mean, for a lot of the reasons, like, Dane brought up a really interesting point, which is this movie feels very similarly to Uncut Gems. And if there's one thing to know about Corey, um, is that he loves Uncut Gems. So this movie, I do and, love in the same film. way that, yeah, in the same way that Uncut Gems has, like, very few respites throughout it, this movie has very few respites about it. It becomes increasingly more complex and a little, like, I would say this is more dreamlike. It's a little more, like, uh, skewed reality than Uncut Gems is, which is a very straightforward but mm-hmm. intense storyline. But, um, and and this movie, if there's also another thing to know about Corey and his love of film, it's that he loves movies about films and, like, the creation of things. Uh, of like uh, art so this is a movie like this but there was times watching this where i was like this is samir's film because it's very similar to black swan which is one of samir's favorite movies and uncut gems and, which is i mean i feel yeah, like we're neck and neck at this loves point cory because i'm i my fanhood for uncut gems is is pretty unmatched 
Maybe well, we're going to have, we yeah. have to have an episode dedicated to who loves Uncut Gems more because that's we a, could. This is a fight. I would love to. I mean, I I love that movie, but so yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you guys liked it as much. I was a little scared that you guys were going to think it was a little cheesy, but I think this movie is. It, I frankly Good. think it's the best anime movie I've ever seen. Okay, well we are on to the third and final movie. Um, this is a movie that, like I like I said at the beginning of the episode, that I watched with Corey on Sunday, and I mean, this movie is amazing. Um, the movie I am talking about is Sound of Metal, uh, which is directed by a first-time director, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It is directed by Darius Martyr, who only has a thing called Loot, which I've never heard of, that came out in 2008. He did write um, um, The, the Place Beyond was... the Signs, which is a, I never saw, but it's a fairly mm-hmm. well-known movie. But he was the, he was, uh, mm. the screenwriter for that. And this is directorial. I, I I can get I feel very similar vibes between the two movies in terms of just like that melancholic feel. Yeah. So this is a very fresh release. This had a like uh festival release in twenty nineteen. That's why if you'll see like the release date, you'll see twenty nineteen. But for all intents and purpose, this is a twenty twenty release because it came out on Amazon Prime uh about a week and a half ago. Um, this story stars Riz Ahmed and what's her name? What is her name? Um, uh, um, Oli- Olivia Cook. Olivia, Olivia, sure. Olivia yeah, Cook. Yeah, Olivia, yeah, Olivia Cook. Cook. Um, and I mean, for a movie about a metal drummer, you would not expect it to be as slow paced, as melancholy as Dane said, and as sweet and sensitive as this movie comes out and i think for a lot of reasons that we can talk about this is the best movie of 2020 um i think this is really one of the one of the i mean maybe it was just because i got to watch it with Corey. i got to watch a movie with someone that made it so special but um i was blown away by this movie i think it it is absolutely fantastic my the first thing i'll say about it is how much it plays with expectation I finished this movie last night, immediately texted Corey, and I had known he'd seen it, and I didn't really want to discuss it in the chat. I was just like, that was crazy. That it was not at all what I was expecting. And right after that, I had chills throughout the entire credits, but right after that, I texted three of my friends and was like, you guys have to watch this. And my friend actually started it, and he was like 15 minutes in, and she was like, He's going to he's going to be a monster. I can already tell right now. And I felt like that perfectly summed up what I thought about it, too. And I don't know if that was just me seeing the bad in the character, but he was so likable. I don't want to say likable, but so relatable. And no, he's so yeah, 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 yeah. And by the end of the movie, it finishes with so much grace and beauty that you are just in awe that, like you said, the this is called Sound of Metal. The opening scene is a long shot of Riz Ahmed just banging on drums. And then the final scene is just complete silence. And it was so poetic and just st- stunning and, and chilling. And, oh, my God. Corey, I want to hear what you have to say. Because I, I read your review on Letterboxd, and you are a big Yeah, fan. I mean... 
yeah, yeah I, before I, before we go any further if you are listening you should certainly read Corey's review oh. on the sound of metal it is it is actually fantastic uh, it, I, I think I appreciate adds that. a lot of your yeah a lot it adds a lot to the experience reading that uh, after you watch the movie so yeah Corey, I mean I am um, sound of metal I gotta say like I really enjoyed our conversation tonight about Brazil and perfect blue but this was the movie I was most excited to get to I just think it's such a beautiful movie like i find myself thinking about it every day since i since i watched it like i i was very affected by it and i guess i didn't realize that this review was so special but i, I really appreciate you, you yeah. saying that because um that what i was trying to capture in, in writing that what i have been thinking about a lot is just that feeling of being affected by a movie i haven't felt that feeling of being so wrapped up in and affected by a movie in a long long time even movies that i love i feel like i can sort of just watch with this very critical eye like I love it because I thought this this cut was cool, this shot was cool. Uh, I love it because I think it you know it, it does all the things that we t- we talk about every week on this episode or on this podcast. But what makes Sound of Metal so great is just it, it, I mean it, it and it does all those things well. Its sound design is brilliant. It has some really clever editing, um, and yet what makes it so great is just is just your, the absolute immersion you feel into its world, into its characters' lives. At, at its core, it's just a character study of this uh, of uh, this guy Ruben, of Riz Ahmed's character Ruben, who is like you guys said, not a perfect character, um, and yes, a likable character, but if nothing else, just a very, very, very relatable character. Uh, and yeah. I, I, yeah, I just again, I feel myself very affected by this movie and the, and the sort of soft quality of it. I think a phrase that I I used at the end of this this review that we're referring to is. It, it feels like being wrapped up in like a cinematic blanket. Like you think going to this movie, uh, and I was excited to be honest, with you guys. I because I'm a huge like rock music fan. I was excited going into this movie to see a movie about a rock drummer. I thought that was gonna be really a cool premise for a movie. I knew it was about him losing his hearing, but I kind of thought there'd just be more rock, more drumming throughout. And I was like, that's gonna be a, a sick fucking movie. Um, but that would have obviously been a, <laughs> a very harsh. Like very yeah, like very rock and roll approach. Maybe a very I'm sure that there's a version of that story out there that could be very good. But what's so impressive about Sound of Metal is how even the name you know evokes this kind of harshness, and yet the movie itself is like the softest, most sincere, uh, and just like warmest film, uh, and really goes to what I think are some pretty profound places that you would not expect uh, going into it. Well, think of the movie poster too. It's like. Riz Ahmed looking wide-eyed, like, like it's very dark and scary, and those scenes are few and far between. They're only at the beginning of the movie, and the rest is very blue. It's a very blue movie um, throughout um, that is, I mean, like Dane said, it subverts a lot of expectations. I thought the similarly that Riz Ahmed's character was gonna go off the fucking deep end and lots of self-destruction and stuff like that and, um, and there I is think, like you know there is that harshness in his character it. you know like there are those scenes when like i love like when he gets just a little too angry you know he'll be talking to people and he'll just say like i'm fucking deaf you know like there's just that that lack of patience and that anger yeah and that sort of like probably like punk rock kind of mentality in him it's very it's very punk yeah yeah i and and that that's there and yet the movie is, is really able to bring out and his journey is, is really able to bring out something much again more profound and, and and soft samir what what were your opinions on this movie so it's like 
Exactly. I think it's a really soft movie. I think it's a really gentle movie. And the funny thing is, I was about to really, like, maybe, like, 40 minutes into it, I was like, this is a bit too slow-paced for me. Like, I was about to not like this movie because I thought the second act was kind of going in a really predictable direction where, like, we see that story whenever some character joins a group that they don't like and then they start to become friends with that group and then they accept them um i don't know like that that that's a predictable arc to me but then the third act completely flipped that in the sense that even after he goes through this like emotional journey with these people he still wants to you know get that ear surgery and that to me was just like i thought about that and i was like that's so smart because it's like in real life i think that i mean maybe this is also my view on things but like I, like he was probably there for like a very short amount of time so losing your hearing like that's something like it's one of your senses like it's so important that's so deeply like it affects someone so much and it's so traumatic um and i think that maybe a lot of the dialogue about like uh like him saying oh i'm fucking deaf like that didn't really do it for me because it was just like okay you know we got that that's um you know you established that it's kind of repetitive what did it for me Oh really? At the very, I'll, I'll let yeah. you finish, but I, I don't know that. I, I do want to just can we talk about that for a second because wait, um, or just that Kanye West. I didn't, did I didn't find there. it repetitive. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I just find that I mean, like the repetitive nature of it is, is a, like that point is, I guess, well taken. But you didn't find that Rizzo Med's performance, his delivery of those lines. Oh, I'll get to that. Made yeah. those well, lines um, clearly something more profound than just like. They, like those didn't serve purely narrative purposes to say that. Yeah, know? yeah. I, I will get to his performance, okay. but I think that the first <laughs> act in and of itself is that like like I think in ten minutes, like you established that like obviously like the person who loses his hearing is gonna wanna talk about it for a while and that's just the reality of it. But as a viewer, at least for me, I was just like after the first act, okay, I get it. He's deaf, then what happens? So that was just kind of my gut reaction to it. But what I was saying is that by the end of the second act what really sold me that whole moment is him wanting to go back and get that surgery. Then he comes back. And I think honestly, like, like I'll talk about Riz's performance, but something that really needs to be noted is the guy that like the principal of like the deaf community, the actor that played him. It's just fantastic. And Paul Racy is his name. Paul Racy made me cry twice. That one, there's this one moment. I think it's probably my second, You like everyone knows my favorite moment. And I think, Every, like we all share our favorite moment of this film but my second would easily be that speech that he gives Riz when he comes back after he gets the surgery and he's like um listen like our rule here is that we don't view it as a handicap like the thing is like there's a lot of people here and like if you come back for that like I just can't have you stay here and I thought that was so well delivered and like emotional and I think that like action captures like more than anything like any dialogue could so that just like a plot movement point that i really liked and i thought the third act was really good um especially like that ending where like like if you want to compare it to another drumming movie like whiplash that has this very grand ending with like a huge drum solo and then you have this movie where the ending is just silence um and i think that's like that's really interesting and beautiful because that movie takes the drummer out in a very intense very exhausting very gripping um direction whereas this kind of like you also you almost like know where the ending is going from the first frame of this movie um not like plot wise but thematically in the sense that like um well i guess not the very first frame because it does start out with like drumming but like 
kind of maintains that slowness throughout um and even like watching it i'll admit i was just kind of like god like this is slow and like dull like everyone's performances are good but i wish that the pacing was better and then by the end like Corey put it that cinematic blanket i was just kind of like wow like huh i think now that i'm kind of like i've stepped back from this and i'm viewing it i'm just kind of like i really do like that like softness that soft edge um so just just something to think about like i can't lie that i was bothered by the slowness but i would be really lying if i said it didn't fit this movie and overall i think it's like a really great um slow movie and just we'll we'll talk about it later but i just want to while i have the floor riz man he kills it what a performance yeah. oh absolutely dude. What, i mean just he's he's incredible insane yeah. he's so good I, and he's he's really good in his like other work i was gonna plug um the hbo series have you guys seen of. that with him yeah, the night of. He's yeah. so fantastic. Yeah, if you got Dane and Sam, if you guys haven't seen that, you absolutely got it's it's fantastic. Yeah, please watch that. He's okay. so yeah, good. And good. He he also had a release this year called Mogul Mowgli. Um and that was like really big in the UK because he's like a UK guy. Um I would really recommend you watch that as well because I'm a huge Riz fan and like this is a great performance by him. Um I really well, like yeah, I want I want to find too. that movie because I heard I heard good things about yeah. about that one as well. Mogul, Another thing he did this year, he also I didn't I just found this out recently that he's a rapper and he has a Oh, you didn't know dude, he's oh, such really? a good rapper. He has, yeah. He has an album like, that came out this year that called, called yeah. The Long Goodbye. I gave it a listen. He's certainly not like um Yeah, he's not, not like yeah. He's not like a like I I'd say he's almost more like a spoken word artist. Yeah, I was going to say there's no way he's like hard rapping over. I mean, and, and to a certain extent he is I mean, kind of rapping, he, but at least the way the album comes together it's more um, about just kind of allowing him to share stories and, and just kind of speak. But the way the album is really is uh, is constructed is really cool. Like it has these little interludes that include uh, Mahershala Ali and uh, Hasan Minhaj and and some of these other uh, you know well known Hollywood uh, you know figures just kind of doing performing these little interludes where they're they're speaking to Riz. So um, it's just, it's just a very like, cool. artistically constructed album. I definitely recommend. I, I, I mean, yeah. I've been on a Riz Ahmed kick because I was so impressed by this movie, yeah. man. I think oh, he's go, a yeah, very I mean, special artist. I've, going I've been following if, him if you for do, so long. And like, yeah, if you, if you do a, <clears throat> yeah, if you on. do a best, <laughs> if you do like a best act, <laughs> that was definitely our best transition. <laughs> ever. It was, <laughs> I think if you um, what's it called? If you were to do best like an Oscars best of, I think Riz Ahmed and uh, Delroy Lindo are at the at the very top for uh, best actor this year. Um, I think Riz, Riz Ahmed is even better than Delroy Lindo is in Defy Bloods. So oh. I I think I think to, to Samir's point about this movie being slow, this movie like slow is not. I think it's interesting because like movies that you love in the past, this is kind of why I picked this movie for you, Samir, is that like this movie is slow, but it's not boring. Like, and that's, and that's a lot to uh, Riz Ahmed's performance. Um, I think this movie, like you talked about how you kind of wanted perfect blue to like, you know, smell the roses or just like take a breath. Mm-hmm, this movie is bare. This movie takes a breath throughout like it, yeah. it never rushes anything right. and that's kind of its um, core its yeah. core message its core theme which is what's so great about yeah. it yeah pulling together kind of a bit of all of that there riz ahmed i also said this before even over a text there was something in his performance his eyes were just so hopeless <laughs> throughout the entire movie and i think 
a lot of that mo emotional connection comes from this expression. And obviously, a, a lot of this movie is in sign language. And having just expression to go off of and action was, was so organic. And I think about uh, the scenes around the middle. It's almost like a montage scene of him going and partaking in activities with like the kids. Um, most notably, the one that just warmed my heart is whenever the kid is laying his head down on the slide, slide drum, and plays the drums for him. I I started I teared up there. Um, but the lowness of the movie with all of those shots and. Uh, moments like that, whenever he teaches the whole class how to play the drums, I deep down know it was to build up your trust. All coming back to the final thing is this is a community built on trust. I thought full well that throughout this whole time, he's having a fun time with these kids and seems like he's enjoying himself. That he found like a community that un understands him, that he himself trusted this community so whenever he decides to go get that surgery it was it was like someone actually broke a promise to me and, and broke trust with me i i my jaw dropped i was like oh, come on ruben like are you serious i was so annoyed and then ultimately yeah that's how i that's how i act anytime someone crosses <laughs> come on dude come on man uh, <laughs> bro are you bro. serious yeah. but no, like absolutely, like I absolutely, that trust for me, no seat was built up. Ultimately, to have him decide to go get the surgery, come back and get the monologue from the from the other actor, I, I thought was 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 so well done in terms of making emotional. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would call this movie a slow movie. I think I would definitely call it a quiet movie, but I don't think the pacing of it ever really struggles or ever really stalls. I do definitely agree, Samir, that um, there's a point in this movie where you're like, oh, really? This is just going to be a, one of those movies about a guy uh, who, you know, has to go into a community where he doesn't fit in and then, you know, you know a classic fish out of water story. Like, like as that, he falls in love with the teacher. Yeah, right. Like, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's a version that. of this movie that would be yeah. very boring yeah. and original. Cheesy in but, Hollywood. Exactly. But this movie makes sure to always... In. Right, and I think one of the, the cool things that um, we haven't touched on is you know, we talked about the sound design and how it's really cool how it, you know, so it, it puts you in his head in, in terms of not being able to hear and everything. But one thing that's not uh, as like, uh, obvious is the way the subtitles eventually appear for, uh, oh, yeah. for the, like the American Sign Language, but they don't appear there for that first half of the movie. And that's really disorienting as a viewer. I mean, you feel really lost, right? Like they're having entire scenes play out at the kitchen table where we have, we have no idea what's going on or what they're talking about, but neither, neither does Ruben. And that's like, you know, it's not revolutionary. Like that's obviously the idea is to try to put us in his shoes, but I think it's really key because it, again, it does kind of relate to the, the overall theme of the movie and what is best represented by the end of the, of the film, which is just to be willing just to take a pause, to just, to just stop and listen and maybe not even always fully grasp a situation or not even, be able to be, be in full, full control of the situation, but just um, just surrender. Like I think surrender is kind of one of the key sort of lessons that that Ruben learns in this movie. Yeah. And uh, 
one of the I, I I at this point we've we've kind of spoiled a lot of it. So hopefully if you've been listening, you've already seen it and, <laughs> yeah. or you stopped and went to see it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna stop now. But one one of those mo- moment I want to mention too, but that's that's so key. Um, because I thought I thought Dane summed this up really well about how, uh, you know, he learned all these lessons and and really felt like he had found a community uh, within the deaf community, and yet he still goes and gets gets this surgery. Well, you can see that he still had the proper takeaway, right? Because when he goes to get this surgery, he's doing it for Lou. He's doing it for the love of his life so they can be together and they can still be a rock band. They can still make music and tour the world and all these things. And then he goes and he reunites with her and it's a beautiful reunion. And, it's, um, and you think everything, it's all going to work out. Um, and you can tell deep down that, that she doesn't want that future anymore. That's not the future she has in mind. She, and, and, he, and Ruben can tell too. And again, speaking about like different versions of this movie, there is a version of this movie, and honestly, I even thought we were about to get this version just because it felt like it would it, it would be appropriate. Where there's a version where Ruben freaks out at her, where he he says, "Are you fucking mm-hmm. kidding me? I got this surgery just for us, so we could be together, so we could be a band. This was all for you, and now you're just gonna sit here. And I traveled to Paris just to fucking see you. And now you're gonna sit here and fucking tell me that you don't want to do this. That would be a uh, Again, almost even a valid reaction to a certain extent, and yet that's not what the agenda of the movie is. That's not what what uh, the movie wants you to take take away from it. The the takeaway is is to surrender, to to roll with 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 life's moments, and to approach them with a a sense of calm and a and a stillness. Like a, there's a stillness that they they reference in this movie, um, and and embrace them and, and roll with them. And that's that that's. It, that may not sound revolutionary when I just say it out loud in words, but it's surprisingly a very rare thing in cinema. Like film is very much about, and narrative in general is very much about A leads to B, and so B has to lead to C, and so we have to wrap this up, and everything has to make sense. But in the end, and so I have to do this. You know, like this—that's the kind of the hero's journey, I guess. This movie sort of rejects the that journey. This movie says, you know, stop where you are, and listen, and st- and and uh, and understand that. A might not always lead to B. It might lead to not even lead to C. You know, but that's that's okay. I, again, I think that's that's more profound than we even realize, and more rare than we realize in in film. Yeah, I think it it definitely goes in the direction of like it goes it veers to like super traditional, super traditional, and then right when you think you know what's gonna happen, it's not even like this big direction. It just something else happens, and you're just like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then it keeps doing that in all three acts. It does that to that final ending um and just to talk about that ending real quick like i think that's really what kind of like brought the, like if the ending hadn't been as strong as it was i would have been like okay this was a one-time watch um but i think yeah. that's what makes this a great film for me like him taking that off and like us sitting in that complete silence like no score nothing like just complete silence as they, as he, I think, so he looks at the trees and then he looks at the sun and the church or something. Um, yeah. And it's almost as if you're sitting on that park bench with him doing the same because he's looking at his surroundings the same way as someone literally from their point of view would be sitting and looking at it. And it just almost injects you with that serenity of that moment. And I think that's just really crazy because it's so silent. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that you can almost hear what he's thinking, um, which is like so weird to explain but i think that's just how i felt in which like i really felt like i was him in that moment um and then i love how that continues into the credits um it's well, super cool i mean Corey. i think we i think we, yeah, uh, i was sorry. gonna say well Corey mentioned um, obviously 
one of the biggest things in the movie is Ruben trying to sit down in stillness. And anytime he's agitated, he's just like throughout the entire movie, you never really see him sitting in that room. Like constantly agitated, whether it's upset, he's depressionary, whatever. He never has that stillness. And for it just to, to carry it's so endearing to get to the end of that movie and think that very much that cinematic length. I wanted that comfort for him as a character and ultimately you get it and he sits there he sits there and he more or less got a clear mind and I found that to be unbelievably for a movie which is so emotional. Agreed. I think we would be remiss too to talk about this movie and not mention in in greater detail uh, the relationship between Olivia, what's her name? Olivia Cook. Olivia Cook and Riz. Olivia Cook and Riz Ahmed. I think my favorite part of this movie is actually the conversation they have right before we get into the final scene. Um, like Corey talked about, it could have been. I think that's it's one of the the beauties of this is that like it is a movie that could have so easily been corny or cheesy or not as satisfying um and yet it still ends like the way this movie ends is still how a lot of those corny cheesy movies would end but this feels just so much wholly more like earned and authentic and I think in great part to my feeling of it being earned is the final conversation between Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook that is just I like it is one of probably one of my favorite conversations between a couple. I like I replayed the scene. Uh I rewatched that scene uh the last like 15 minutes of the movie um starting at when he's listening to his uh to Olivia Cook's character sing with her dad. And how it just slowly uh, goes into the metal. Like, it's funny that it's called The Sound of Metal because the sound design is very metallic-y when it's like at the end of it, it sounds like you're talking through a, a mouthful of like loose change in your mouth. Um, and that that was just haunting. Like, it, I felt like it was almost like a horror movie type thing because it like slowly progresses into that, followed by what is the sweetest, most sensitive scene I've seen on a movie uh in uh, quite a while probably since like before sunset or before sunrise or before midnight like the before trilogy i i agree um, i agree i would i think you know i'm glad you brought those movies up because i think those are kind of considered the pinnacle of on-screen romance and i mean they're they're my personal pinnacle i think you know this, this isn't yeah, this isn't about the before trilogy. Well. yeah but you know obviously those are beautifully romantic movies and i really felt that the 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 romance the central romance in this movie was one of the most impressive on-screen romances i had encountered in a long time like i uh i think a lot of relationships in movies are aren't you know you use the word earned earned is perfect a lot of especially romances in movies uh are just kind of presented to you as oh of course there has to be a love interest and therefore here it is take it but this i thought there was a really raw um and honestly i think it, it, raw chemistry between riz Ahmed and olivia cook i think that has a lot to do with it they both just turn in incredible performances here and really bounce off each other really well. Um, it's not necessarily like 
their specific conversations um like the dialogue is i mean why the dialogue is certainly good but i mean it's not even necessarily the 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 dialogue is what makes it happen the way it does in like a before trilogy these two actors really just um seem to understand each other and their characters through what is unsaid i think really communicate really well and i I think again I, i found that to be really beautiful and again like more rare than we realize in terms of, of that kind of uh, on-screen rep, uh, depiction. I hope, I just want to say real quick, I hope, because Riz Ahmed, I think it's safe to say, will get buzz, award season buzz. I'm not sure that, that we can, it's like safe to say Olivia Cook will get that same kind of buzz, but uh, um, I would fully endorse her for like a supporting actress kind of, no, because I actually, th- I thought she was really impressive in this as well. She is really good. All the acting's good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is part of the the other reason why I picked it for Samir. It's the the he's a a big proponent of good acting and this movie yeah. is well well acted throughout. Like, it's hard for me. Like, while I'm not like overly blown away by the storyline or even like the dialogues, but that's very much meant not to be the focus. The focus is meant to be like the emotional core, um, and the perform and the performance is really like that's why the performances are so important, especially for a movie like this, because they make or break the movie. Like if this was like, I don't know, like, <laughs> like can you imagine like I don't know some other less capable actor in that same role, um, yeah. or or even Olivia Cook's role? Like this movie would be a complete dud. Like none of that, like emotional resonance would be conveyed. So I think for a movie like this, the performances are so crucial. Um, and even though like the writing of it, like I shouldn't like even like the like the writing is good for what it wants to do, um, but like that's not the focus is what I'm trying to say. So I think overall it's like it's definitely a great, um, very emotional and heartfelt movie that that it it almost tricks you. It's like this is this is gonna be a very harsh movie at every turn, like the title, and then it flips it. The way the storyline like starts heading, and then it flips it. So it's like at every turn it wants to be like harshness, but there's actually softness and beauty um, underneath it, which is kind of the central character. Like where it's like he's got all these tattoos and like he looks pretty like intimidating and you would kind of think that like, oh, this guy is probably like very like rough. Um, But it also explores that like double softness, which I think is very layered and intentional, but good movie. I saw it today. Oh, you watched it today? I yeah, I'm glad today, you guys liked it. I mean, Corey yeah. and I obviously sh- showed all our cards about how we thought about this movie, but I'm glad to hear that both and, um, and Dane, Dane liked it. it. It should be mentioned that this is a Prime original, like a Prime yeah. release, which I think is is cool um, just because like a lot of these like Netflix originals or Prime originals or like streaming service type movies, like they they kind of get like swept under the rug of being oh that's just you know a Netflix original like I feel like Netflix original has earned like its own brand of like cheesiness now and like how like you can go to Chipotle and like get stuff but everything will kind of have the same flavor like that's yeah. kind of what Netflix originals sometimes feel like so I was double um shook because like I think this is one of the one of the first I haven't seen many Amazon Prime originals but this is definitely gonna be my favorite because um. Like, 
it definitely doesn't have that like monotonous Chipotle type feel. It's really good pizza <laughs> as a tie-in to there our you go. Dude, earlier that's episode. Why I, that's what I was getting at. It's really good fucking pizza. Yeah. It's like good they pizza. they they reinvent it. They don't completely reinvent the genre, but they mm-hmm. they they take a very interesting and fresh take on a, a genre that's good, but you know probably needed a bit of life injected into it. So well, I gotta know, say I'm though glad about that you use that term. I gotta say, you bring up the fact that it's an Amazon Prime original, and I mean, like, I having seen of a few other, at least of the Prime original, Amazon Studios, I think, has actually um, put out some really good movies. But at least as far as I, I agree, the Prime originals, like that, release straight to Prime. Um, this is definitely a, a, you know, this is definitely a step above. What frustrates me though, specifically about Amazon Prime, is that I feel like they just fucking suck at marketing for their their movies like, there's no hype for this movie yeah. outside of like people who use letterbox i know like at all um i i pitched an article about about this movie for the screen ranch just because i wanted to write about it i love this movie so much um and they said that it's not it's not anywhere close to trending right now um and so like they i mean screen Rant, unfortunately they yeah uh, all they care about is the numbers. Yeah, they're, they're, they 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 <laughs> yeah. they they, 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 they tr- follow the trends and want to write about what's popular. So yeah, they, they didn't want to take an article on this, and I, I was just shocked that this movie wasn't trending at all. Because to me, it feels like I mean, we live. I live in like a, I guess a letterbox sphere, maybe you know, or like <laughs> that sounds. Sam just ripped out. I'm sorry, I just ripped us. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh really? I didn't even notice. Did oh it, my god! I hope my mic. I, it, did it, no, it, did it, the mic it pick did. it up? It. I heard it. it I watched did. Sam lean forward. How did I miss that? Did you hear it, Samir? I did not oh, hear it. I just thought he was laughing out. <laughs> wait, wait, the way that it just the way that it just froze on Samir's face, he was just like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Uh anyway. continuing, Corey, I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, I, I, anyway, I'm just all I'm saying is that uh whereas I feel like Netflix clearly markets its its property well. I mean, the Queen's Gambit um has been relevant relevant for like months now. Like it's probably overstayed its welcome, if anything. Um, yeah. And a movie like Sound of Metal, which to me, in a year deprived of proper theater releases, and just a year, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people think 2020 is kind of a down year for movies. I think that's an opportunity for a movie like Sound of Metal to really uh, get an audience going. But Amazon Prime just doesn't. I don't know. They they don't really invest all that much in, in promoting their films, or, or or at least if they do, they they don't do a very good job of actually, you know getting them to a wider audience. That's why I think word of mouth is actually can be very effective for a movie like this. Like I've been, you know, Dane mentioned how he immediately texted a few friends to see it. And, and I've, I've been like doing the same thing. I feel like a, I feel like a, um, what's the word? A, uh, uh, like an ambassador for this Mark, movie. Like I really yeah, need to. Yeah. To what's this, this what's interesting is that the other major streaming service, Hulu, like it's big movie. I feel like this year was Palm Springs. Which like everybody and their moms are. Yeah, like. and and like, even that, Run. That got I feel like Run even is Run, the one they Run have now. Too, yeah. I haven't watched it, but I mean, I feel like that's getting a lot of so buzz because because they they promoted that pretty well. Like for whatever reason, yeah. Amazon Prime just doesn't promote its stuff properly. Yeah, I mean it's the it's the it's definitely a distant third to Hulu and Netflix just in terms of like social consciousness. Like I just don't think people talk about like. Oh, what are you doing tonight? Like, oh, I'm gonna go hop on Amazon Prime and watch. Uh, even <laughs> yeah. if like, besides the boys, I was gonna say is, the boys is becoming is, one of the biggest shows in America. Yeah, the boys is one of the biggest shows right now, but that's just 
I don't think people even think of going on Amazon Prime to watch that. They just think of like going on. But it's a Amazon shame because they have good content. Itself. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a is a multi time Emmy winner and a really good show. Yeah. Um. I mean, Fleabag I think, as well. Yeah, Fleabag is an and Emmy winner. I mean, they honestly have some of the strongest libraries out there, and they 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 don't uh, use it to its fullest potential. Amazon's good. They're they're well, a good company. I, no problems with Amazon. Absolutely no qualms whatsoever with that. <laughs> no giant problems at all. But um, no one one thing I will say about endorse Amazon. Yeah, this episode brought to you by Amazon. Amazon. (laughs) AWS Web Web Services. Services. (laughs) Okay. Well, boys, uh, I guess the final thing is to say who this movie was for. Even though obviously we know who this movie was for, Uh, but I picked this movie for Samir. Um, I talked about it a lot, but it is a a slow movie but it i think it's a very sensitive movie and if there's one thing i know about samir it's that he's so sensitive and so, so caring so so caring. sweet yeah. and that he <laughs> but i think that i think the major reason i like this movie is because it is good pizza it is it's not reinventing the wheel but it 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 makes a movie that subverts expectations and has a very satisfying end and i think you you grow to learn a lot about this character like i think a lot of gripes that samir has had with past movies is that you don't really know anything about them but i think by the end of this movie you have a very very good sense of who reuben is as a person and the journey he's gone to like get to this this uh this state um yeah samir did i do a good job i feel like i feel like cory and i yeah, this is back to back weeks we ended. This, movie is. this is back to back weeks where I, we ended with a movie for Samir. So there's, some, there's something there with uh, the Samir movies being our, our, our anchors. I know. I mean, hey, like I think I think you did pick a really solid movie. I think it's a great movie. I can um, live with solid. It's 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 a solid movie, and it's one that like definitely I think explores the softer qualities of life, which I do like a lot. Um it's it's good it's you know would <laughs> like and brown guy in a lead role love that on-screen representation yeah um, that and, was the oh, main reason the, the 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 one point that i did actually related to that want to talk about that's like a silent but huge victory of this role is that like you have diversity in this movie and that this guy is like not a white character but like that's like it doesn't even make a reference to that which i love like Literally it's just, not it's just yeah. a story yeah like and I wish so hard that we got more of that where it doesn't have to be, you know, where you can have a person of color in the lead, but it doesn't have to be about their race. Where it's like they are just included in the story. That's it. He's just a character in the story. Um, and yeah. I, I personally really enjoyed that. That was one of the biggest trends for me, like watching this being like, damn, like, I'd love to see more of these kinds of movies because I love Riz. And he's such a talented performer. And like so many performers like him equally um if not more talented than Riz, have kind of been like pigeonholed into this like oh they can only play certain kinds of roles so like really like that this movie is progressive in that direction too um so hopefully like i know that um it should it should get oscar buzz for it um and and i i I hope he does along with olivia cook for this because i really have been following his career for like 10 years now and i think this is long overdue like that dude he's so fantastic like yeah. literally like south asian donald glover like he raps he acts <laughs> he 
does everything like and he's just so likable like even if you watch interviews of the guy he's like, a very intelligent such a, guy yeah yeah so, so intelligent and such a like genuine personality um the other thing is that he does such a good american accent in this movie like, yeah it's, i didn't <laughs> even know he was british yeah like it's crazy it, it, this is like I was like watching and I was like this is like every dude I know from New Jersey like just like talking like this like it's like I've I've met this person that talks exactly like him in like so many instances um whereas Eddie Redmayne in the trial of Chicago 7 I think me and Corey talked about this does like a really terrible American oh, it's awful. I don't know it's so bad but um another yeah. thing about sound of metal really before we yeah. wrap up the sound of metal talk yeah. um is it that i think i think we have to mention this because uh it's obviously so integral to the movie we obviously you know we talked about how the, you know the plot of the movie is about a a a punk drummer who who uh becomes deaf um but one thing i think the movie does really well and i don't, I don't want to by any means speak for the deaf community uh but i i do think oh, it yeah. really uh it, it it pays a lot of of honest and faithful tribute to that community, you know, where, you know, despite the fact that it has its lead character decide to get the cochlear implants, it really navigates that debate, I think, really honestly, and it really shows um, the complications of of how the deaf community feels about be, about, about itself as a community, um, and, and how it feels about itself in relation to the hearing community, and, and, and vice versa, how, and, and about people like like Ruben who kind of have to traverse both, both worlds. And, and in terms of you mentioned the casting of of uh, Riz Ahmed, I think you brought up a re- really good point, and I, and I appreciate uh, you, you raising that point. It does the same thing with with all of its its deaf actors, where these are. Uh, I, I looked I looked it up, uh, you know, just now because I was curious. So Paul Racy, who plays, you know, the who runs the. Uh, oh, he is deaf. So he's not he's not deaf. He's um what's uh, I didn't I I just discovered this term, but he's what what they call coda, which is uh, children of deaf adults. Um, and so it, okay. it's it's kind of its own community in and of itself. People who grew up around uh, the, uh, the deaf community and, and uh, are have lived essentially deaf lives by you know practicing ASL and never really speaking uh, but he technically um, is hearing uh, but then ev- pretty much every other actor that, that we meet that is deaf in this movie is actually deaf so I, I just think that's so cool that's that's really cool and and I also read that um, Amazon Studios and uh, had really pushed director Darius martyr uh, to for like some a-list actors like they were bringing some big names to play Paul Racy's character, but he was really committed to bring, finding an actor uh, who was more authentic to the role, which I, I think is, is, is something yeah, to be said that's for that. very commendable. That should yeah. be applauded. Yeah. Cool. Well, boys, uh, we should, well, are we going to... Yeah, we gonna uh, Dane or Samir has to, oh, yeah, has to give their announcement for next week, right? I have my three. Yeah, well, I, well, well, we have to let's have rank. Let's, oh, rank. Yeah, we're going to rank, rank three. All right. Um, okay. I so can... where where does this rank? I'm pretty sure I know where this lies on everyone's except for Samir. I'm interested to hear. Actually, Dane, I know where this lies with Corey. I just don't know where this lies with the other two. Yeah. Actually. Um. So me number three, Brazil two, Perfect Blue, and one Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal was just, especially it being so recent. Um, it's relevant, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of amazing stuff. It and I, again, like what Corey said, I thought about this movie throughout the day. And being that I am a twenty-some-year-old living in my parents' basement, I went up. I went upstairs after watching. I was like, you guys have to watch this movie. I think you'll really like it. So I've been I, begging I my parents recommend- for days, and they they haven't watched it yet. So 
We'll see whose whose parents watch it first. Yeah, I I echo Dane's uh, Dane's sweet. ranking. Uh, oh, did you did you want to go? Oh, Corey. I was gonna say I I, I echo Dane's yeah. ranking. I've I've the the same order. Uh, I think Sound of Metal just came into my life at at a really good time. Like I I feel like I've really been sitting with it, and I've really it's it's done a lot for me uh, in the past few days. So uh, I think I almost I might even I, I'm, there's a chance I'm even overrating it just due to this sort of emotional reaction I had to it. Um, but because that kind of we we've talked about in this podcast that. Uh, emotional responses for me to movies are are, are pretty rare. So if yeah. I if I get one, I I, I like holding on to that's it. That's good. So, so I, I, that's 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 why I have to put sentimental number one. But I gotta say, I think I it seems to me like I was probably the one who felt the most strongly about the the movie that Sam picked for me. So I gotta say, Sam did did a pretty good job in that sense. That I really I really enjoyed Perfect Blue and, and I appreciate appreciate that gift. Well, actually, I haven't given my I haven't given my rankings either. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> so. I would say, um, again, to kind of, so I would say Brazil would be my number three, Sound of Metal would be my number two, and Perfect Blue would be my number one. And I think Sam knows me pretty well, but one thing he may have neglected to know is just how much I love being abused by cinema sometimes. It's like <laughs> being I think it's like being abused I in think, general. I thought it's kind of what you're yeah, like, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> and like, I don't know, like everyone's always like, oh man, like I didn't know. Abuse it, me, like. Daddy. He just kind of, I don't know, but like, I think that like, for me, like also what, part of the reason why I'm just so drawn to Uncut Gems, and I'm, I love that we're talking about this movie in the same conversation as Perfect Blue, is that even though that was like my gripe with it in the sense that like, I wish there was like moments where it sat in it, like, I just love that. Like, even when I'm like reading things, like I love being like barraged, like beaten up, but whether it's like a poem or like. Like, I don't know, even a movie or a play or something. Um, someone I really like in plays even is David Mamet, who uses, like, this really, like, cruel language. And, like, every single line stings. Um, part of the reason why I also like Succession a lot. But I think Perfect Blue just manages to, like, get that abuse really right. Where it's, like, you know, some people like black coffee where it's just so bitter and rough. But it's a taste. And for me, it's, like, damn, like, I I really like, like, its roughness and it's, I guess kinetic energy um and it's like electrifying and galvanizing and that's what i think if i had to put down everything else that's what i'm drawn to most in movies and i think perfect blue really got that for me um the sound of metal is a great film but when you're shocked you're not going to forget that for the rest of your life um in brazil too like obviously like i i i should say that i don't dislike any of these movies so i think um definitely it's like a very like you know I, I can find something I like in all of these movies, unlike Bronson, unlike Bronson, unlike Bronson, <laughs> unlike Bronson, unlike unlike Bronson. <laughs> no. uh, but I mean, look, but I, Sam I and I had that, different you know, approaches. I knew I wanted to piss you guys off with one of my movies, and Sam just wanted to be a. I have, I, I have a Bronson yeah, in my picks too. Because if there's one thing I do, it's being a people pleaser at all times. Well, tonight that was the <laughs> no, case. I, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, I I I I think one of my movies is, you guys will hate. Or at least I'm gonna get worse reactions than we got for Bronson. Like it's definitely my Bronson. Um, All right. So hey, I'm not gonna. But I think you know my ranking is Perfect Blue, Sound of Metal, Brazil, for those reasons. Sam is gonna take it away, and he's gonna conclude with thoughts about movies himself and his final etude for this episode. Thank you, Samir. Um. So I will say these are these are all pretty close i do agree that brazil is the third best of the three um 
the middle part just does kind of drag a little bit. But besides that, I think it's it's one of the better action movies I've watched in a really long time. Um, and then my second, honestly, like I I go back and forth. I don't know if I did a, an amazing job of showing how much I really do love Perfect Blue. Like I think that is the best anime film I've ever seen. I think it's one of the best action thriller movies I've ever seen. So I think after saying all that, I still think that is my number two. And I think I I think I just tend to connect better with like dramas than I do with thrillers. And I think that's really what it comes down to. So I have number two is Perfect Blue and then number one as The Sound of Metal. Um, but that could totally be recency bias um, of the three. On to my general thoughts about movies. Um, movies are fine, I guess. No, movies are good. And I'm glad you guys liked, to a certain extent, all three. Uh, I know Brazil was a little divisive, but besides that, I'm glad that you guys really liked the other two. Um, I picked all three of these knowing that all three of you could like them. That was kind of my general premise of it, as opposed to, like, what Corey did. Um, I wanted to make sure that you guys, like, that no one would watch a movie and be like, this movie is not for me. I wanted to make sure everyone, maybe... No, no, no. I think I did a pretty good job. Uh, and in general, I, think I think I'm with this, Corey uh, in the sense that we both like to give people a bit of a hard time. Um, we'll see. But, yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Sam. Uh, in general, I think another another great episode. I think this is, this is still uh, presenting as our best idea yet for a podcast episode. And I think um, I, I'm excited to see what both Samir and Dane have. Um, Samir less than Dane, obviously, but you know, still excited, <laughs> I guess, for both. And I gotta say, it makes cool. my it makes my weeks fun too, because I mean, I I end up yeah, watching same. a bunch of movies throughout the week anyway. But I like kind of just yeah. knowing that I have these three that I gotta get through. It's it's, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right, so who it feels... who's uh next for next week? Did you say you have your three, so, Samir? I do have my three. Um. I have my my three too. Hey, Sam and Corey, you guys, it, I don't know, do rock paper scissors or something like that. We well, do rock paper. Why, seems... Shouldn't you guys be doing the rock paper scissors? Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> well, true. Hey, yeah, my wait a minute. Back. I I feel like I I feel like we we have this uh, seniority thing going where it's like they're a year older than me. I'm a year older. That's than true. You. I'm the old. Yeah, I'm the oldest, yeah. and then Sam's the He's second. The yes, we could just, Corey uh, is older. I'm yeah. kidding. We, we could scale we'll back. We'll do it. We'll do. No, we can do an RPS. I, or whatever. I like that. Let's Samir. Let's hear your three movies. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, but now Samir, be, well, be careful gonna... before you say all three. Just know I'm that there's gonna. there's no polling a Sam because once you <laughs> say, once you announce them, those are the three movies we're watching for next week. <laughs> well, that's the... <laughs> that's yeah. That, that's the thing. Like, Make sure you finish all the movies. Make sure you're not halfway through any of them currently. Oh, so yeah, Columbus was just not good, guys. That's all I have to say. I have that Blu-ray sitting next to me too, so I might still, I might still watch. Yeah. It. So mediocre. But the first half grabbed you that it? much. Well, I was just gonna say, like, it might be anticlimactic now, so it probably would be better if Dane was gonna go. But even last episode, I mentioned that like I wasn't gonna mention it on the podcast. I was just gonna drop it in the group chat, oh, and surprise yeah. you guys. So it's a little bit of a like. Oh, yeah, and wait, why was that again? In the why do you want it to? Yeah, why? <laughs> it's, it's, why are we allowing you to ruin the, the podcast? Reason, <laughs> the, the reason is so 
the reason is so mind-numbingly stupid that you're gonna hate me for it, but I'm gonna do it anyway. It's so oh stupid. It's you're gonna so do what stupid. anyway? You're gonna you're gonna tell them or you're gonna withhold them? Uh, I'm I'm gonna withhold it. Wait, for how a about reason that's how about so you do stupid? This? What if you send them right now in the group chat and then we can get so our everyone reaction. can just hear yeah, can we, hear us go? Ooh, can we, can we can we not have a live reaction to it? <laughs> Is that not allowed? Do you do you want a live reaction? Yeah, yeah I, let's I, do a live I, reaction. I think we should get a live. Reaction. Yeah, yeah we're not gonna say anything out loud. We just want to look at our phones and go, <laughs> oh my god! Can I get a countdown. Five, five, four, three, two, one. Okay. All right. I don't think you guys have seen any of these movies. I haven't um, seen any of them. Wait. No, I'm very, wait, I'm okay. very, very excited to. So, so we're not allowed There's... to say these out loud, correct? Oh, I really you, want. You can, you, you can say really... them out loud. You can say them out okay. loud. Okay. Okay. I really wanted to watch a separation. I'm yeah. very excited to well, watch. Well, yeah, that. separation is the one I'm excited about because I mentioned Farhadi, but um, mm -hmm. also Amoros Peros is one of those like embarrassing gaps in my uh, in my movie watching life where like I I should have definitely seen that seen yeah, that, but I was. I was surprised you hadn't seen it yeah the last it, it's, movie because uh, i know you really like yeah, yeah wait what's mutual appreciation i've never heard of that it's uh it's an indie film so you okay. can oh it's, it's, on, it's, it's andrew bojoski yeah it's it's rentable on um amazon prime is, is this like a mumblecore because i know he's kind of does like a lot of mumblecore stuff or it I, is what you, you want it to be it. we'll we'll, oh, yeah. we'll talk enough. about that on the episode and uh my kind of take on that title but um okay yeah so those are the three movies for this week so it is mutual appreciation 2003 a separation 2011 amores perros i think 2001 so that 2000 goodness yeah that, that's me yes, that, about. you and your 2000s uh cool i'm but, excited for these yep so, awesome well yeah well Everyone, thank you for listening to this, you know, great episode about me uh, and only me, not about movies. It was just about me. Um, so thanks for listening. And next week we will be hopping in with the life and tragic story of Samir Yalapragada. Wait, and can I say one well, last thing for the mediocre that uh, about <laughs> yeah. that's actually very this is very special about next week's episode uh, is, you know, we've been doing this podcast for um, a, f a couple months now, but. In a way, our next episode is, is our first true episode. And it's because it'll be the first time that all four of us will be recording from our parents' houses. Which is, is oh, that's true. That's really what the essence of a podcast, is when the four of you are recording yeah. from, your, from your parents' basement, uh, and you're living at home, uh, and you're, you're back where you grew up. That's what makes a podcast a podcast. <laughs> is, is, oh, I agree. It's just, it's just the, the fact that your, your mom or your sister could walk in at any moment. That's what makes it a podcast. Yeah, so um, the next... it actually happened to me whenever I went out the one time. I thought you guys commented on it, but oh no, I... no. But that happened. That ha I don't know if you guys have noticed. That happens to me just about every episode. Tonight was the first time that. No, I literally, I edit it out every single time. It's the last episode. Corey goes, "Mom, what? I'm on. I'm talking. <laughs> Mom, I, I could hear it. I'm talking on the phone. Very faint. Because I mute, Mom. I mute myself on the Discord, but I obviously don't mute myself on the uh, like my own audio recording that I submit to Sam. So it still all comes through. <laughs> I'm walking so over very here. faintly on in my um outside my headphones. I just hear Dane. Dane. <laughs> and I open it's up so and go, funny. "What, it's Mom? Like... I'm recording a podcast." <laughs> <laughs> no. 
every well, every Thursday, my parents are always like, "Oh, where's our little podcaster?" <laughs> Nobody. You know, you know what's funny him. is, is guys, my dad told me that his favorite episode of our podcast is the Pixar one. Guess what? There's one episode that I'm not even fucking on. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that one was great. He's like, so, he's like, how come you didn't give your opinion? I'm like, I, I wasn't even, wasn't I wasn't there. here, Dad. That's so funny. That is our one episode that is actually family friendly. I don't even think we swear once in it. We're just so like casual <laughs> yeah. and just sitting around. <laughs> well, uh, that I think that is a great way to end the podcast. Thank you for listening, everyone. We will be next episode uh, with Samir. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>